Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is brought to you by Hobo Wolfman Records. HoboWolfmanRecords.com Go there. Buy shit. And for a limited time, put in code GABAGABA at checkout for 30% off your entire order. That's HoboWolfmanRecords.com You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Check one, check. Oh, yeah. That's going to work. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. So it goes like this and something like that. <laughs> yeah. But I've been real, I've been slack on the podcast lately. Um, I, I, work's been really kicking my ass. We're super busy right now. And mm. uh, so I just haven't had the motivation when I've been getting home to get anything done. And then uh, I, was, I, was, I was supposed to also be working on a cassette for Johnny Dick. And, and, and I'm, I'm getting it rolling. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of slow going because um, just because I've been so busy at work yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and lacking the motivation to do anything. But so the podcast has been whole this week. I didn't even post anything about it. I, I usually post, oh, no new podcast this week. I'm taking a break for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. This week I was just like, fuck it, man. I'm just so tired. <laughs> just so tired. And then but I think I'm going to start feeling better soon. Um, we're getting some more people hired, so that, that'll make it a little bit easier. Hell yeah. And it's, it's you know, when people first got the stimulus that it kind of went crazy for a little bit. Yeah. But that's kind of starting to die down a little bit too. Mm. Um, but uh, also I got my second COVID shot Thursday. And, you get uh, my second one on Wednesday. You get so, Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, Moderna. Moderna. Actually, no, Pfizer. Okay. Pfizer. I've heard Pfizer's, my dad had Pfizer, no problems. Mm. Um, I've heard the Pfizer one's a little bit more mild, mm. uh, but some people have had some issues with it. Uh, I was going to say when I got mine Thursday morning at about nine, 9.45 or 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. About 11 o'clock that night, I started getting this, like chills and mm-hmm. I immediately went and laid down. I mean, it's like, I just felt bad like that. Yeah, you it probably was, were running quick. a fever um, because my buddy just got the Moderna and I was I was over him and his girl's house uh, last night chilling. Um, she, they, they just moved out to Waxhaw. I helped them move in there and they damn... Uh, he was running a fever, and he just like got his the day before that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they say you know, like I don't know, you've had it right afterwards. You feel better, so yeah. So I was gonna say, um, so yeah, I felt fine all day Thursday. That then when that hit, like I said, it hit hard fast. I was up and down all night, and yeah, I was mm. running a fever at one time of like ninety nine point nine was the highest I saw. Mm. But it was the most miserable ten hours. Well, not maybe the most miserable, most miserable ten hours I had in a long time. Mm. And then I started feeling better, and like I went to work the next day. Kind of felt a little bit off to begin with, but by the end of the day, I was fine. I was just really tired. Mm. And I went home, and I took a, like a two-hour nap, and I got up, and I felt I felt fabulous. They say it's like as soon as the, the initial symptoms wear off, you feel even better. Yeah. Because like, 
Like at this point, we all have a little bit of something. No, well, I think I had it last year, like yeah. real, real early last year. No, and and at last year, in the middle of the year, I didn't. I was like, because a lot of people were saying, "Man, I think I had it earlier this year." Before they even said what it was, and yeah, I was like, "Man, I had this weirder illness earlier this year," but I don't think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But like as the year went on, like I had these respiratory issues, and I just I thought my allergies were getting worse, mm-hmm. and like just some some issues with breathing like going upstairs and stuff and just being kind of winded i started thinking about it I'm like you know that's kind of the covid symptoms but i think some of that might also be because we're wearing the mask all the time yeah i think that's not necessarily good for our um respiratory system well uh, i think honestly like if you don't wash the mask it, it gets, that's a big thing it yeah. gets real bad it yeah. gets because you're breathing in mildew at that point you know and, yeah. but and a lot of people have been doing that including myself well, I, I, yeah. I, was, I was doing that for a little while yeah. last year because they gave us one mask at work yeah. and it's like yeah. what am i gonna do wash this thing every day yeah yeah and no. then i finally got three masks so i can yeah. wear a different one every day but i still feel like by well, the end I, of the day you're already i'm, starting a, to I'm a gross dude like i admit i wore the same mask for a month straight without washing it and like i was just like you know, it was nasty, but like, you know, it's like whatever. But like, I, you know, I kind of felt it's like this. This could be mildew. I'm breathing in it. Then I finally like wash it and stuff like that. And I, I do still sometimes have the same one in my car for about a week or two before yeah. I wash it because I figured the one I the one I wear to work all day. I just it's the same one all day. Yeah. But when I'm just going out and about, I just throw that on for like ten or mm-hmm. minutes at a time, and I'm like, does it need to be washed every day? And it hangs in my car. So. Yeah. But I, I probably should wash it more often. I, you know, I, I used to get shit all the time because whenever I. Uh, Especially when I have to wear a hard hat, I wear a bandana mm-hmm. um, because I got a big old bulb in the back of my head, big bone that sticks out. And um, whenever you crank down on the hard hat, it always always hurts. So I wear a bandana, softens it up, feel great, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cushions everything on. And um, so, like, the guys at work get on me all the time because I go fucking months without washing that damn bandana. You yeah. Know? And, <laughs> and uh, it's... You know, it's like, it's about time to watch that, isn't it, Robbie? I'm like, well, maybe. I don't know. I'll just turn it inside out. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. I mean, um, oh, yeah. but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm about ready to stop. I'm, I'm not going to stop wearing the mask now that I've yeah. got my shop. But I'm, I'm ready for us to get to the point to where we don't have to wear them anymore. We all are, man. I'm just, <laughs> just so tired of always wearing one and not being able to see people's faces. I yeah. Mean, just... It, yeah, I, that does that does a lot to your mentality. Like just not being able to see people's face, you can't see people smile. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Like you can't see if somebody's having a bad day without being able to see their complete face. You know, and and being able to reach out and be in, in, empathic, I guess, or empathy, show empathy for people because you can't tell. You know, somebody's yeah. somebody's smile really just brightens your day sometimes, and you're not able to see that. And, you know, I feel you on that. But but you know, the time is coming. Yeah. We gotta be patient. Yeah. Time will be here. Oh yeah. Blonde hair, slick back, short temple contracts. He's a predator with a rotten soul. She's walking in the dark after work. He waited after work. She didn't hear him coming.
He, um, he, he was, I'm sorry, I get sidetracked like a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> like I quit playing music during all this. I went, I went to school. I ended up, uh, graduating with like a 3.8 GPA, um, in electrical engineering Yeah, and, um, got my associates in electrical engineering and, you know, and about this time I was jamming with some folks, but I really didn't want to do a band thing. You know, I didn't want to go down, down this rabbit hole again. And somebody reached out to me. I can't quite remember who. I think it was one of my one of my good buddies. Like you need to make it a band. And I was like, okay. And Sticky Bandits was a two piece when we were playing out at first. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Moss, like he reached out to me about shows. I wasn't even ready to book shows. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna do it as a two piece. And we played with. Uh, Fire Marshal Bill. Yeah. You know, our first yeah. st- show is, is uh, Sticky Bandits. We played with Fire Marshal Bill. I fucking, you know, God rest Brett. I fucking oh, yeah. love him to death. And, um, you know, so, and then, like, my eyes opened. I was just like, I got to do this. Yeah. I got I to do this again. You know, everybody that told me that, yes, I need to get back on stage, they were absolutely right. You know, I, I do it for them. I do it for the people that that aren't here to cheer me on anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they've passed, you know, and all that. I don't do it for my vanity. I do a little bit. You know, I love it. But we all know? do it. For yeah, a bit. yeah. <laughs> mm. Me and Eric talk about that. You got to have just like a little touch of narcissism to be yeah. a man. I mean, it's, uh, it's just maybe not narcissism, but but vanity or whatever you want, whatever you want to say. For years, everybody that jammed with me was like, "You're like a, the most egoless musician I've ever worked with." Yeah, <laughs> because it's not you know, it's not about me. You know, it's about it's about the message. It's about you know, camaraderie ship. It's about having a good time. Yeah, that's. I mean, honestly, that for me, that's what it is. It's, it's me getting together with my friends mm. and having a good time mm. and creating something. Creating, yeah. And then we want people to hear it. That's where mm. that's where the the vanity comes in. Mm. Oh, we yeah. want people to hear it. We want people to hear it. We want people oh, to yeah. enjoy it. And we're not going to be mad if they don't. 
we're not going to stop doing it if they don't. But man, it makes it so much more fun and so much more rewarding when when mm-hmm. other people say, "Man, I really love your music." Yes, yes, it does. That's that's. Just, mm. And I don't take compliments too well. I really don't. I'm, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really. It, it really makes me uncomfortable taking compliments. But over a course of time, you kind of you, you have to be. Yeah. If not, you just look like a fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. Well, I'm I'm talking to Robbie Thornton, and you play in Evergone. Evergone. The Menders and is Sticky Bandit still a band? I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Which motel? Which motel? Is which yes. motel still yes. still yes. band? I, we I, are, I knew it's um, kind of. With COVID, a lot of bands have sort of taken a break or not mm. been very public or posting on Facebook a lot. So a lot of bands, there's just a question mark. Is it still a band or not? So Yeah, I've been uh, I've been dogging it pretty good. Um, all three of my bands typically rehearse one day a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which motel, uh, we're about to go in the studio, record an album. We got, we got a whole album's worth of stuff that just about every single one of the songs has not been played live. You okay. know, because it's been... I mean, we didn't play a lot before the shutdown. We it we didn't play a show out for about nine months before the yeah, shutdown. Yeah. So it's been about two years since we even been on the stage. You know which motel, um, Evergone just finished recording an album. Um, it's in the uh, mi- mixing and mastering process right mm-hmm. now. Uh, that's that's killer. Uh, jamming with those guys is an absolute just. It's so much fun. It yeah. is. You know, I remember reaching out to uh, Scott Harding when they were looking for a bass player and i asked them so what do you need do you need do you need a you know yeah, of course you need a bass player do you want to you need a backup singer do you need another do you need a guy to help help with the artwork do you need a guy that's an audio engineer cuz you know there's different facets yeah. when you're in a band what do, what else what other nicks do you have you yeah. know what what can you offer and uh they were like no nah, man i just need a guy playing some punk rock on the bass and i'm like man I've been doing that my whole life. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like I'm your guy. Yeah. It's like I'm your guy more than you could ever dream on that. So it's 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 just absolute pure therapy to get to get on stage with those guys and um, just do do our thing. Um, the Menders, um, we just finished um, recording an album and uh, we're in the middle of uh, discussing some 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 really cool deals that's gonna go good in our favor um, and. Uh, I, that's the best sounding fucking album I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It's it is just everybody is gonna dig that music. I mean, if you don't dig the Menders' new album, there is something wrong with your ears. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about the Menders in general. Like, mm. there, there's something for everybody really with that band, and mm. they're and, and they. I was gonna say they. You guys are so good, mm. uh, especially live. It's just oh, yeah. you're such a good live band to see, like a party band, really, without being the bro party band. Mm. Um, you're, you're just, it's my favorite Gastonia band. You guys yeah. are just so talented and write such, such good music. My parents would love you guys. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and punk rockers can listen to you guys and, and old people can listen to you guys yeah. and find that common ground. It's, it's so good. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely some magic with the sound. I, uh, I, I, I'm very honored to, um, to be a part of the project when they were first actually formed, you know, um, Johnny and, um, their old drummer, their, their original drummer, Matt, Dirt did an open mic night or mm-hmm. an open jam session over at Freeman's. Yeah. And uh, I would go there all the time. And during the time, I was in a metal band down in Fort Mill called uh, Culper Strain. And, um, you know, they asked me, he's like, hey, man, you should. They had Monty out there on the, uh, Monty was from Ireland, mm-hmm. um, older fellow that was on the, uh, he played the mandolin with Johnny. Okay. And, um, and Wes played the guitar and, like, 
That sounded really good. That was the dawn of the Menders. And yeah. I was I was there actually playing bass during that point. Mm-hmm. You know, during their open and they were like, We should all we should do something with this and I was like, guys, I'm in a in a metal band down in Fort Mill. I'm not I can't commit to another project. Yeah. And um and it's funny that, you know, I've, I've kept up with them all that time and things finally came back around. And, yeah. you know, they asked me to join the Menders, Menders again um, a little bit over a year ago. It was, uh, it was December, actually, of 2019 is when I actually uh, formally joined the band. I just looked at them and I was like, man, it's about time, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that really worked out um, great. I mean, because... Again, that, Garen was a great bass player. Oh, yeah. But, absolutely. you know, you stepped right in and, and just kind of took over and, and perfect guy for the job. Thank uh, you. But let's step back a little bit. We'll talk about all those bands uh, again in a little more detail in a little bit. And, and Menders we'll talk about. But we'll save a lot of the Menders talk for I want to do an episode with the Menders okay. soon. Especially absolutely. since the new album will be coming out mm. in a while. So, so we'll talk about it, but we'll, we'll leave like all the uh, the deep stuff to, to that to that episode. But um, So when you were a kid... What was one of the first things that kind of drew you into music that, that was like, you know, a big memory for you? Um, well, well, I've had I've had cousins that were musicians, but when I was a kid, none of none of them really got into it right yet. Um, you know, my my cousin Ty Barnes, you know, he was mm-hmm. he was always into punk rock even when I was um, six and seven years old. I really didn't get into into music until I was about in third grade. When I met I met my buddy Michael Phillips, I met my buddy Michael Phillips, and uh, he got me into uh, Motown. Actually, um, a lot of a lot of Boys to Men, uh, TLC, like like Nothing I was listening to straight up baby making soul music back in the day. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I loved it. Um, shortly after that, um, honestly, I introduced him to Green Day, the Dookie album, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of Celine Dion, actually, I loved. I love Celine Dion. That's that's, a, that's an interesting one in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got no shame. I'll, I'll I'll admit, I was I was. I mean, I love I love all music. All music has influenced me in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. You know, still to stay. One of my favorite things is just sit back and listen to Tom Waits, and that yeah. that takes a special kind of psycho to do. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not for everybody. I know a lot of people that just can't stand him, but I, I've always loved him. Oh yeah. So you know, third grade, um, fifth grade. My cousin Ty kept feeding me these different punk rock bands, you know, the Dead Kennedys, mm-hmm. Rancid, the Misfits, and stuff like that. You know, some of them at the time, I'm young, I didn't, I didn't like a lot of the things he was handing, yeah. handing to me. I'll be honest, but um, you know, my my dad always listened to a bunch of classic rock, so like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, um, yeah. you know, uh, Cream and uh, CCR. Those were my first building blocks. Yeah. You know? In kindergarten, I remember saying, you know, what's your kid asking me, what's your favorite band? It's like Led Zeppelin. You know, like, <laughs> I'm really all over the map as far as that, you know? Yeah. How long after that was it before you picked up an instrument? Eighth grade. Uh, in seventh grade, one of my best friends, uh, still to this day, AJ Fredette, he got his first guitar in seventh grade. I was always over at his house every mm-hmm. single weekend. He would pick around on it. He would, sh- he would show me the things that he's learned in his lessons and stuff like that. Um, eighth grade rolls around. Um, funny story. Kate skating ring, eighth grade. Okay. I made I made a lot of money playing foosball, hustling, okay. <laughs> hustling all the kids, taking all their mama's money, mama's and daddy's money from playing foosball. I see some foreshadowing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, you know uh, the Sticky Bandit song, uh, yep. Foosball Crossroads. Yep. You know that's <laughs> you write what you know. You know. 
But yeah, I, I mean, I've made $20 every single week, and I did this for like a year. And um, eighth grade talent show, AJ uh, challenged me. He's like, you will not buy a bass and play Smells Like Teen Spirit with me during the talent show. I was just like, this is a challenge. So I ended up <laughs> dropping all that money on, on, a, on a Squire P bass and a... Um, little fender amp and we got on, on you know a flatbed trailer and did our talent show at cramerton middle the people still to this day remind me about that that, yeah. was, that that was there witnessing uh mark keener was in um sixth grade and witnessed that show and he, he'll remind me about it every once i was okay. like fuck that's right you were there <laughs> my first time on the stage was a talent show too but it wasn't until we were in uh i guess we were we were in 12th grade at that point mm-hmm. uh, actually no i, I I say my very first time I was in 11th grade and I played, I, I didn't really play, I had a guitar, but I didn't really know how to play it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of learned how to play For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica for just this band that got together from different guys. Because I didn't really have any friends that played music. I got a guitar and didn't really learn how to play it. And then one of my friends was like, I'm doing this band, I'm playing bass in it, you want to play guitar? Like, I don't know how to play that. He's like, I can teach you how to play that song. Mm. So I played the rhythm for For Whom the Bell Tolls. We didn't, make it to the talent show, but that was the first time I played on stage in front of a small audience for the tryouts. Mm. The next year we were in the talent show and we did Mountain Song. That oh, was, That was my first band that we had already put together, a, band, a punk rock band. And the singer really wanted to do originals, but for some reason we just, we were like, no, let's just do this. We might actually have a chance of winning it. I don't know why we cared about winning it at the time. <laughs> we should have just played our originals <laughs> yeah. and just pissed everybody off, but whatever. Anyway, that's, I, I think a lot of people get their first mm. stage experience in a talent show. Oh yeah. So was that uh did that band really go anywhere or was that was that a one and done for the talent show? Um Gavin didn't our, our Gavin Whitman, the guy that played drums for us, um he didn't he didn't stick with us, but AJ and I in ninth grade, the year afterwards, we formed a band called Flophouse. Mm-hmm. And uh and which I always thought was a really fucking cool name. If I you know, I wanna recreate that name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd have to call him AJ. Are you cool if I'd use that name again? Because that's a really cool name. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really have any shows, but we wrote some songs. Um Um that ended up falling apart. Um What kind of music were you playing, was it? It was uh it was real kind of chill music though. It was like sublime, you know. Okay. Like it was, it was had the had the kind of had ska feel to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're really like '90s rock and roll yeah, kind of okay. sounding stuff more than anything. Um, that ended up, you know, not going anywhere. Um, shortly after, you know, I meet up with some guys, Mark Birchfield and uh, Patrick Ingram. And they were, we formed the band uh, with Stand, in which we later found out was already a local band in Charlotte during the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're in high school, we're in, I was in ninth grade, uh, Patrick was in ninth grade, Mark was in tenth grade. We, we write some songs, we jam twice a week, man. We had a long laundry list of songs, and um, it eventually just got down to the three of us. At the, at the beginning, there was like five of us that was jamming, getting together jamming, but like, you know... Some people can't make the rehearsals, yeah. and, you know. It eventually just got down to the three of us. Um, Patrick ends up leaving. We get Jonathan Lang on the drums. Um, that's shortly after that. Uh, I'm in 10th grade at this time. Mark's in 11th grade. Jonathan's in 12th grade. We start We start actually booking shows, okay. our own shows, at um, the Optimist Club, yeah. the Union Road Optimist Club. And I mean, we're charging five dollars for the admission. Our, our folks, like one, of, uh, there is one parental figure there just mm-hmm. to make sure that you know they're not 
fucking going absolutely apeshit crazy, but we were really responsible. Whoever ended up coming out uh, ended up leaving halfway through it because, like, we we cleaned the place up. We did, you know, we always got our deposit back, yeah. you know, and um, we, I mean, it was like every weekend during that entire school year, of my 10th grade school year, we we ended up having shows. Well, it ended up catching on like a wildfire. Charlotte bands would come out and bring out the Optimus Club, get all those little Gastonia kids out there, and they totaled the place. Yeah. They destroyed it. <laughs> and uh, so we weren't able to rent that out. We go to different uh, places at different Elk Lodges, Randall Lodge, start renting it out. I remember one time, um, I'm in 11th grade, cops busted in, everybody has to take a breathalyzer, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, what the hell, you know, like, that's uh, about, we, about what year was this? This was um, 2002, 2003. Okay. Um, so that was sort of during the time where I was not really too involved in the scene. So I was kind of mm. wondering why I never really heard about the shows happening around here. Mm. Uh, I guess that's probably why. I was I was shortly after I got married, and the, the accidents were still going kind of off and on for mm. during. I think that was during our off period. Mm. So I probably wasn't even like really aware of what was going on anymore. Yeah, I mean, and not to mention it, yeah, we were young. Too, yeah, you yeah. know, like if if somebody in their their mid to late twenties is finding out what a bunch of high school kids are doing, that that that's that's kind of weird in itself. Well, <laughs> but, but I know that yeah, so you I know, don't blame you for not knowing. When we were all. like earlier in the, like in the mid to late nineties, there were a lot of young kids in the scene, mm-hmm. and we yeah. always really wanted to support that. And I, yeah. I still to this day, like with Gabba Gabba Huh, I've really tried to support and promote some of these. Younger yeah. bands because oh, absolutely. I feel like it's super important that, that kids are playing music. Oh, yeah. And people should pay attention to that. Um, especially the kids in our area that are playing music. They're so, so talented. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, God. There's some there's some weird prodigies out there, man. I'm like, God. <laughs> yeah, it makes me... I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not that good and I've been playing for 30 years now, so... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember 11th grade. My 11th grade year at the Battle of the Bands. Um You'd be surprised in some of the, uh, um, actually, uh, you know, Andrew, uh, Franklin, um, he's recently just started up a new band. I can't remember the name. I, I don't know their names yet, but he was in Musket King, guitar player for Musket okay. King. Yeah. Um, he was actually at that band in a different band called Kid Can Act. And, you know, there was, uh, there was like six bands that was in this. All half the members were from Forest View, the school I went to in high yeah. school. And um, all competed during the same battle of the bands. And I remember the people putting it together. It's like, whoa, what happened? There was only three bands here. And nobody showed up here last year. All of a sudden, we're, we're reaching the capacity. Kids yeah. are coming out from different schools. You know, we have to start playing like three hours earlier and everything. Yeah. So I, I felt... It's really, I feel really special and really humbled to be a part of that, that little scene that actually yeah. happened that just you know, busted wide open. Not very many of us still play music to this day. That was a part of this that scene. Um, a couple of us have, have uh, passed on. You know, me and, me and Andrew Franklin, you know, we still talk all the time. You know, he's, he's like my brother from way back in the day. You know, yeah. we, we were competitive, actually, me and Andrew Franklin. <laughs> it was, it was real, it was stupid. Like, why, why the hell were we competitive? You know, I, I tried not to be and tried to be really like, I've always hated the concept of Battle of the Bands, you know, but like, you know, somebody's like, so, somebody says shit, you know, of course you got a rebuttal, 
you know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, don't don't be like that, man. I'm going to wax the floor. You don't want to say that. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly don't mind. We, we've never done one, and, and there was one time I think we were offered one. Eric's like, we're not playing a battle of the bands. Most people that go to those kind of things, these days at least, don't want to see a band like us. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I I love y'all. Y'all are y'all are like so <laughs> rabbit dogs and giant snakes. I swear to God, is like like the best song they listen to live. I mean, it's just I just was yes, chant it. <laughs> oh, but I was gonna say uh one thing about you. You talk about how there's not a lot of people from that scene that are playing these days. Mm. That's probably gonna come back around. Yeah, because there was a time when all the people from the scene that I was involved in, in that you know mid to late nineties, mm. there weren't a lot of people playing. I mean, I wasn't playing for a while. Mm-hmm. But as people get older and their kids start to get to of age where they can do stuff again, mm-hmm. people get that itch. And so right now the scene is filled up with guys and girls my age mm. who put it down for a little while and now picked it back up and have a, a renewed interest in it, a, new, a renewed love and a renewed passion and are putting out better music than they ever did mm. 30 years ago, 25 years ago. So you'll see it come back around probably. You'll see a lot of those people come out of, out of reti- retirement. I just yeah. quotes on yeah. that. You know, nobody ever really retires, and what are you retiring from? It's not, a, it's not a job, not for us. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a passion. But you know, I like like I mentioned before, you know, it's it's more than just my vanity. I don't, I don't like I I do it like there's there's lots of people people that have told me, Robbie, this is this is you. Mm-hmm. You got to do this when you're on stage. You you know that they make me feel so good. Talking about it, it's like you have to do this. You, not not for yourself, but for everybody that goes and sees you. That's that's a part of the scene and everything like that. Because I always try to try to send. If um, every single time you've in any of my bands, I always make sure you know I thank the crowd. You know, y'all are the reason why we're able to do what we do. It's yeah. because you're here. You yeah. know, and and thank you, thank you so much for being a part of all this. Mm-hmm. You know. I always make sure I get that message across. Spend spend a little time, make sure it's in depth so that people understand it. Yeah. You well, know? I know how hard it is to get off the couch these days, especially with <laughs> all the distractions you have. So I want to thank the crowd for coming out because mm. they actually got off their asses and went out to oh, do yeah. something to, to support the local scene. It, it seems like some, such a small thing to do, but at the same time, it's, it's really these days it's such a big thing because not too many people do it, even people that used to love to do it. Even people that still swear they love live music and will pay $150 to go see somebody play at the Coliseum or at the Pavilion or whatever. But then, you know, their friends' band's playing at the Tommy's Pub and you can go see them for free. Eh, you know, what, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it, but, yeah. you know, it is, it is the way it is these days, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really do a whole lot of good to complain about it. Because. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, like, pe- people people do, you know, I just want people to be happy, you know? Like, if sitting on a couch and watching, you know, um, Breaking Breaking Bad over and, you know, <laughs> binge watching Breaking Bad for the seventh time yeah, or something like that. Yeah, because that's what people seem to do these days. If that's... Or the if, office or whatever it is. Yeah, if that, if that makes you happy, you know, it, kudos, you know, yeah. just, just be happy, you know, if... If you find it, but a lot, if you really get in the people's psyche, you know, those people aren't really that happy sometimes, you know, and you know, you got to kind of like, come on out get some human interaction. Mm. But we were talking about the battle of the band stuff. Okay. I don't know if you wanted to finish up. Was there anything with that? We kind of got sidetracked there. Yeah. um, We get back into that and move on to um, whatever happened next. Um, we were we were called with Stan for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when we start playing out the clubs like the Money and stuff like that, we like we couldn't because there was already a local band called yes. with Stan. Um, 
And uh, so we changed our name to Final Story. Final Start took off. We did a lot of cool things. We ended up my senior year playing Grady Cole Center. That was a really cool show. The next night, um, I think it was Thrice and Coheed and Cambria played that stage. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in 12th grade. And the following night is being, you know, some of your biggest role models are playing playing the stage. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, man, hell yeah. So yeah. now when you played there, was it for like, was it like a Battle of the Bands kind of it, thing? It was. It was. Was there a lot of people bands. there? Um. You know, it sucks. Um, it, yes, by the end of the night, there was well over a thousand people there. Okay. Um, but uh, we were drawing straws to see oh, yeah, which yeah, place yeah. goes first, and naturally, we were the opening band. Yeah. So there was and only. Yeah, I know how that works out. <laughs> there was only about 150 people there. And that's that's there, still know. pretty good. For, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. It was still. It was still. But a in fun. a place that big, it looks a little empty. I'm sure. Oh yeah, it was still a fun and absolutely awesome experience. Um, we had like I remember that show particularly because we only had like a 15 minute set mm-hmm. they had the big timer up there and let you know where you're going and we planned it down to a fucking t man yeah. like we had guitar spans we were we were really acrobatic band back in the day i would roll over i'd jump on you know my guitar player's shoulders and stuff like that <laughs> we did synchronized guitar spins and stuff like that um, so we put on one hell of a show, ringing out the last note, the buzzer goes off. Yeah. You know, could not have ended any perf- more perfect. Naturally, though, we didn't win. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, so there was that. We ended up signing a distribution deal on an album that we dropped uh, that was Table 31. I graduate my senior year. Um, instead of going to grad week, we went on tour. You okay. know, like, so nice. I, do, I get my first uh, mini tours, my first two mini tours summer after I graduated high school. I'm still 17 at the time. Um, I remember we played a show down at the Money um, around the same time. Maybe it was earlier in my senior year. I ended up blowing fire on stage. <laughs> they, uh, they kicked us off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that, you know. But, like, yeah, I about got kicked out of the band for that, you know, because nobody knew that we were going to do that. That I was I've seen a few bands do that but and, uh, in bigger places, and I, yeah. I still bet that people were like, oh, no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah they, they cut the PA. They told us to get the fuck out. Like, my band was so – they about kicked me out of the band. And I tried to remind them. I'm like, look, this is good publicity. Take my word. Take my word. And sure enough, it was. You yeah. know, like, like more people ended up showing up later on. Final start ends up, we end up doing our run. I was uh, 20 when when we broke up. Uh, one of uh, our guitar players, his mama passed away, and he had to move back up to Pittsburgh to um, to take care of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the band did not want to continue the band. I go off and do some other projects um, at the time. I end up 
moving out to Tennessee when I'm 21, mm-hmm. um, I'm like literally done with music. I'm kind of burned out at this point. Okay. You know, I mean, I've seen it happen to people pretty yeah, young. Yeah, and uh, uh, Final Star ended up getting on uh, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. Okay. And, um, I know Real World, an episode of Real World. Yeah. They played a little bit of our music. Um, I didn't That's see awesome. it. Down, so, but, yeah. your distribution deal? Who was that through? I don't know. Oh, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. There was there was two members of the band, not including me. I was the youngest member. Yeah, and, and they kind of handled the rest of it. Yeah, all that and stuff. the manager uh, took care of everything. The manager that we had took care of. It's everything. pretty cool. I, it's, it's amazing to me, like because we missed that boat as far as touring when we had the opportunity to. Part part of it was because our guitar player got. Settled down pretty quickly <laughs> at a young age. But it's amazing to me, like, how many people I talked to that got to do that at 17. That's That just seems yeah. to be the age where a lot of people did it for the first time. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, that just makes me so jealous. Because at 17, I was just figuring out mm. how to play, you know, three three chord punk rock songs. Now, don't don't get me and, wrong. So was I. And, and, and when I go back and listen to that stuff, we, yeah. we were really good. Um, we weren't great there were there were certain things that would have made us better mm. but for the fact that we didn't know what we were doing and then we discovered all this on our own mm. and figured out how to not only put a band together and, and write songs but we figured out how to put on shows kind of like you we didn't mm. start quite as early and we didn't do quite as many but we also figured out how to record our own music and it was like we were really good at what we did mm. but we were still learning and we just didn't know anything about touring, and none of us, I don't think, had the money to, to even, you know, try to try to investigate it and actually be serious about it. Mm. But not that it takes a lot of money, but it takes a little bit of money to be able to go, well, I don't need to yeah. work for two weeks. And, and so yeah. we just never did it. And I'm, I'm, I'm still jealous of that. I'm, I'm going to make it happen mm. one of these days. So I'm going to at least go on like a week or week, week or two tour. That's, that's, my, my, that's my bucket list goal. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I don't care. I mean, I'd love to be famous for playing music and you know that, that, I guess that's where that part of that narcissism or whatever comes in and also it'd just be nice to be be able to make money doing what you love oh absolutely but yeah, my, my thing is if I could just go on a tour I'd be happy mm. and put out a record oh, a yeah. record a full length LP oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get to the point that I'm making a living doing exactly what I want to do mm-hmm. you know like I mean I'm a, I'm a pretty easy going guy. And I like a lot of things, and I like I like what I'm do for a living now. It's just it does get kind of monotonous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an electrician. I, I tell everybody, you know, I wish I wish I could make the money I make now uh, being a line cook because yeah. like that's that's the most rewarding job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. It's, time passes so quickly, you get instant gratification over every single beautiful, delicious plate that you set out in the window. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it just doesn't pay. <laughs> it just doesn't pay. It should. It should though, because I've I worked. Everybody harder. needs to eat. <laughs> I've worked. I've worked harder in kitchens than I've ever worked in the electrical field. That, that's a job I absolutely love. Like after you know, after I retire from, if I'm not taking off, my dreams hasn't hasn't happened with music. I'm able to s- sustain myself and my comfortable living with with music. Then when I retire out of the electrical, I'm going. Back into cooking, yeah. you know, until the day I die, because I love that. I love doing that. Mm. Just, I mean, even washing dishes, you know, as monotonous as that is, just, just the atmosphere of working in a kitchen is just so the cool. First time I had to wash dishes, oh, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> now, like, there's nothing to do. That's the only thing I want to do. <laughs> so I'm going to go back there, I'm going to put my music on, and I'm going to mm. wash some dishes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I move out to Tennessee. Um, I'm kind of burned out on music. Um, I think I was burned out on, on pop punk. You know, because yeah. I was I was in different kind of pop punk bands, and you know, it's just like 
I don't even bring any of my instruments whenever I move out to the dorm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm 21 years old in a freshman dorm, so I'm like the, the alcohol fucking genie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I get to know everybody in the dorm. Real quick, a couple of the guys was really good, and they introduced me to Rockabilly. I got a full appreciation for, for like, Jimi Hendrix and everything that he put into the, into the music scene. You know, I, I got another take on, on music in yeah. general, you know, a fresh outlook. And that's what I did, you know, out there, you know, and that, that carries on to, you know, my playing style to this day. Oh, yeah. You know, you put a six string in my hand, I naturally, uh, I naturally navigate toward more of a rockabilly kind of sound. Mm. They, they were responsible for really, really just Kyle Smith out there was really, uh, responsible for just breathing a new life into me. And okay, so now up until this point, had you just played bass in bands or had you picked up and started playing guitar? I bought my acoustic, my first acoustic when I was 19 or 18. I think I was 18 when I first bought my first acoustic. But mm-hmm. the reason why I bought it was not to actually play the guitar. Um, it's to map out vocal harmonies. Okay. Um, because I was a backup singer. And final start. Yeah. And um, this old timer taught me a trick. You know, you map out what the lead singer, the melody of the lead singer. You know, you can really easily write harmonies on a six string off of it. And Ooh, I was I'm like, keep that in mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, you know, like you know, of course, you know, you're singing octaves. You know, you can actually simulate that. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, fifths. Where is that note? You know, you, you want to do it, but you need if you actually play it. You find those notes and it's boom, it's right there. That makes sense. You know, yeah. and um, I'm I'm in the dorms and somebody puts an acoustic in my hands and I didn't even ask to play and I start actually just strumming. I can't remember the song. I think I think I was playing Black Dog or something like that. You okay. know, yeah. and like like everybody's like, "Whoa, Robbie, you actually really know how to play." And I was just like, "Yeah, you should see what I do with the bass." <laughs> <laughs> So when you were in Tennessee and, and you had a guitar in your hand again, you started mm-hmm. to maybe get a, that second spark. Did you put a band together up there? or? Um, yes, actually. I was um, I was in a band. Um, our lead singer was Aaron Friend. I still talk to him every once in a while. He's doing really good out in Nashville. Because I lived in Murfreesboro, just south of Nashville. Okay, yeah. it, was, it was equivalent to Gastonia to Charlotte, Murfreesboro yeah. to Nashville. Uh, I joined a new deception. It was kind of like a prog, prog rock band. Okay. You know, we did a lot of uh, seven four beats, you know, and and a lot a lot of cool three four to seven four beats, you know, like like a lot that we do with Witch Motel. Yeah. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I've I've always loved that that progressive sound. Rush is one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was real fun. Um, that, you played bass in that band, or yeah, I played bass in that band. Um, I was the youngest member by about seven years. Okay. Um, you know, I was twenty one. Uh, the next member was like twenty eight. And then, you know, like, I think the oldest member was, like, in his 40s, you know, so it was, it was, I was jamming with some really experienced guys, yeah. you know, for the, for the first time in my life, you know, most of the time everybody was, was my age, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, these guys were really experienced. And we rehearsed underneath a, this was really cool, this was really cool, we rehearsed underneath a um, production company in Nashville on Music Row right down the street from Belmont College, and uh, it was, at the time, it was called Ash Street Music. Mm-hmm. One Christmas, um, it was toward Christmas time. We were, you know, our standard Wednesday or Thursday night rehearsal. You know, the the guitar player, um, Jeremy, he told us, like, look, we're not going to jam tonight. Every single one of these production companies are having, you know, suit and tie parties. And there's going to be producers and managers and artists across the country music spectrum going to be at all these events yeah and it's free cocktails free finger food free you know the whole nine yards and i was just like all right 
I'm in a t-shirt, ripped up jeans, you know, looking, you know, I probably haven't taken a shower in three or four days. <laughs> They're like, okay, um, sounds great. He's like, this is cool. He's like, yeah, man, you'll be great. You know me. Because he worked at the production company. Mm-hmm. And um, so we end up going, I met Kenny Chesney's producers. I met, I met one of Dolly Parton's producers. I met um, like a r- lot of really cool guys and ended up getting absolutely sloshed by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking down Music Row, and Music uh, Music Row, uh, I think it's like, I can't remember the name, 27th or 21st uh, Street or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it intersects with a road that there's a lot of uh, venues down. Okay. So I'm sloshed. I'm blackout drunk, walking <laughs> down walking down the street. I hang left because I hear a bunch of, uh, of, of sounds. Hank Three's outside of the venue, okay. about about to fucking play it, play a show. Yeah. He's got his he's got his fucking entourage of the Hell's Angels looking looking guys. I don't know if they were actual Hell's Angels, yeah. but, you know. But I remember looking at, at Hank Three. I mean, cowboy hat, you know, you know, leather vest. I'm 21 years old. Mm. You know, he's got spikes on his shoulders and shit. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I walked up to Hank Three and literally said, who the fuck do you think you are? Because <laughs> he, he looked so bizarre to me. He yeah. looked so fucking cool, you know? And I, I straight up sat there and fucking talked shit to him for a second. Yeah. You know, like, like, <laughs> like apparently he was real cool, you know, but his bodyguards were like, like kind of closing in. Jeremy ends up coming up behind me and it's like, dude, I, I'm sorry, this is my buddy. We were over here at these parties. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Hank Three knew exactly about these, these parties that were, that, that he yeah. was referring to, he had to call me up the next day and be like, do you know what the fuck you did last night? <laughs> it's like, you sat there and fucking talked shit to Hank 3. And I was just like, no, I didn't, man. Like, no, no, you actually I, did. I remember that. Well, maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. You know? And at the time, you know, I was like, who the fuck is Hank 3? You know, because I didn't, I didn't even know, you know, like, you know, like I was so, I was young. I did, I I'm always the last one to know about what's cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> My time out in Tennessee kind of um, kind of expired, unfortunately, because I ended up having a lot of roommates out there. Not very many people were paying all their bills on time. I was, I was having the hustle money here and there. I, I was working for Cracker Barrel. I got my job transferred at Cracker Barrel here to here in Gastonia. Ended up having a side job selling roses uh, with my buddy. Still paying for bills out there, but the our our lease was running up two months, three months after I moved back. I just mm-hmm. needed some money just to finish paying off everything. Came back over there, I had to fix up the house because we threw six hundred people parties out mm-hmm. there. You know, there was holes in the wall everywhere. It was it was your cliche like college party house. Yeah, yeah. You know? I moved back moved back to uh, North Carolina. Um, I, was, I never really asked, and it might might not be important. But what, what were you going to school for? Uh, air traffic controlling at the okay. time. That was that's a whole nother. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned a lot about it, but um, didn't flunk out. But I had like a two point one GPA. Yeah. You know, like two point two GPA or music, something like music that. Music was more important. Than yeah, and, and drinking. Partying. I was <laughs> partying. I was I was drinking a lot then. You know, happens and, to uh, a lot of people. Yeah, I moved back here. Um, me and uh, Jeff Worley get together. Okay, I'm, I'm wearing my old scratch shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And um, Jeff Worley, we we formed different bands before Old Scratch. Um, we uh, it was forty off forty. Me, uh, Reed, and and Jeff Worley, and we write a lot a few songs that later on became Old Scratch. Je- Jeff wrote some songs. We ended up hashing it all out in mm-hmm. forty off forty, and. Uh, 
that never takes off. We play a couple of, uh, I think we played like one, no, 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 we played one open mic before this, actually, before 40 Off 40, there was the Jeff and Robbie show that, that we played some open mic nights for. Okay. I played drums, actually, and he, um, he played guitar, and then we'd switch. I'd play guitar, and he played drums. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that didn't do nothing. Then, then we do uh, 40 Off 40. That ended up disbanding. I joined a metal band out of Fort Mill, uh, Culprit Strain. Reed joins the band first, my drummer for 40 Out 40, and he ends up getting me into 40 uh, into a culprit strain. So what kind of metal was it? Um, kind of. Man, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but cliche. Okay. <laughs> was it like? It is. Uh, so I'm, kill yeah, switch engage. Okay, yeah, I was, you know, I was like, trying to think like of like radio, what radio, radio, yeah. radio, uh, radio type metal. Yeah, you yeah, know, and yeah. uh, I mean it was fun, and like I mean we packed the money out. Oh yeah, like we, like there was people watching us clear past the fucking bar. Well, that's one thing. Like, I, I talked to people that are in bands, or have known people that were in bands like that, and I listened to them like, man, that's really just very generic radio <laughs> sound of music, but. It will pack the place out. Yeah, and if that's what you're looking for, you're going to get it. Mm. And I, I guess, I guess, I just needed that sense of like, like, just happiness and, and accomplishment. And that's the only real reason. Well, Reed was my boy. I, I'd follow, I'd follow Reed, you know, to, to hell and yeah. back. Right. They were, they were all really talented guys, you know. So don't, don't get me wrong. They were all real nice, real awesome to get along with. It's just, you know. I was personally really feeling the music. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it wasn't really my type. You know, I, I just got out of like being introduced to like some really cool like like rockabilly, psychobilly, mm-hmm. like you know, and that's that's kind of kind of the feel I really wanted to do. Um, all along while I was in that band, I was jamming with you know, uh, I was jamming open mic jams over at Freedman's with the guys from the Menders during mm-hmm. this time. Um, Mark Keener and I would jam over at my buddy Kent's house. Um, it's funny, Kent was living over at his, his dad's house during the time. Mark had electric drums. We all played through the recording station that was feeding back through headphones. Yeah. And we jammed literally for eight hours straight, and nobody would hear us. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole house, you know, like, it was... It was pretty cool, and we all, like, you know, turn it up, yeah, yeah, and we, we oh, all yeah. got into it, but, like, somebody <laughs> watching us, like, what is going on? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did that for, you know, the entire duration of, I ended up getting in trouble with the law, um, getting my two DUIs during this point, whenever I was in culprit strain. I dropped out of culprit strain. Um, this is when I was about uh, 20, 24, I think, mm-hmm. and, um... Uh, I go to Gaston College, get serious about college, mm-hmm. um, electrical engineering, uh, graduate, uh, uh, get an associate in electrical engineering, and um, around that time, I started getting serious. When Around the time I graduated, I started getting serious with my projects that I was just jamming with. Yeah. Jeff Worley and I tagged back up. We're doing old scratch. We get Will Britton on the drums. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing some really cool stuff. 
and I'm in a two-piece uh, project with Mark, and we're we're kind of um, auditioning other members, other guitar players. I was singing, playing guitar, and we got different bass players in there, and um, like they just weren't feeling music because Mark's like a really talented, like out of the pocket drummer. Oh, yeah. He's he's he's, really he's good. all he's he's not a, he's not your typical in the pocket drummer. Yeah. So so playing bass with him, like you really need to like like just focus on the timing. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> And um, a lot, a lot of bass players. I, I don't know. I don't want to say they were intimidated with me. I was playing like rockabilly stuff, you know, the early sticky yeah. band stuff was like straight rockabilly. Like I, I guess they were just intimidated with just the sound because they didn't understand the angle. Like where are you going? It's like blues rockabilly, but like Mark's doing progressive stuff on the drums. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know what I, you know what to do here. You know, it's just like I don't know. Just do your thing. Like we just a lot of people just just ran away yeah. left and right. You know. Johnny Moss reached out to me in particular. I think it was Old Scratch that got his attention first. Okay. And uh, books Old Scratch. I tell Johnny I got another band, uh, the Sticky Bandits. He ends up booking the Sticky Bandits with Fire Marshal Bill and uh, Pinko mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Okay, I, yeah. That was another band on that first first show. We, uh, in fact, I think Old Scratch's first show was with Fire Marshal Bill too. Okay. Like so, like. <laughs> Like they were like, well, you're you're in this band too. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> like I had the privilege of playing with those guys in two different bands. Like, shit got really cool then, and you know, and that kind of just brought me to where I am today. Sticky Bandits. We ended up getting, um, you know, Josh Featherstone um, and and Bree on the bass. Um, shit sounded real good. Uh, that same lineup, we did the Sticky Bandits album. We did. did um which motel and which that was during a big transition the which motel album because brie was was having her daughter mm-hmm. so i was moving from guitar to bass yeah brie lead singer on a few songs um but i was also i wrote a lot of the songs on the six string that was on that album mm-hmm. so it was and also, we were changing our name from the Sticky Bandits to Witch Motel. Yeah, you know, so it was a really big transition. Now that that happened because just the sound was changing so much. I know your your sound kind of had had already evolved. Mm. When Josh came on, it seems like it took sort of a little oh. bit of a different, like a He's, a little bit more of a different turn too. Josh is such a well rounded guitar player. There is no genre that he can't do. I wouldn't really call him the master of every genre, but there is no genre that he can't fucking touch. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> At least a little bit, and touch your soul a little bit with it. 
Like so, he took every single one of one of these songs that was your stereotypical. My, my guitar playing's real clanky, real, mm. real, real mechanical, and he just put soul. He put a different kind of attitude and soul to twist to yeah. every single one of these songs. You know, like I'd show him like, yeah, this is what I'm doing on guitar. You know, you can do whatever you want. He, yeah, he he, just, he saw what I did and half the things that 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 I was doing on guitar. He's like, no, nah, fuck that. I got a better. I got a cool idea. I want to do with that. And he just he just brought it to life. You yeah. Know? Then we get Brie, and uh, she was amazing acoustic guitar player, mm. amazing singer. She played the Beatles, you know, this cool, cool hippie chick that dated a really good friend of mine for the longest time. I was just like, well, the bass is just like the acoustic. <laughs> I mean, I was like, she's like, all right, I'll play. So, you know, like, I, I, I would say I taught her a lot, but mm. no, she, it was already all there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I just, I just had to give her the inspiration just, just to push to the drive to do it. Well, no, I talked to a lot of guitar players that say that when they first started to play bass, they didn't realize how hard it was, but they all know how to do it. It's, yeah. It's just, they got, they got to figure out a different way of playing or a different mm. way of thinking, I think. Oh, but yeah. it's all, it's like, you can play guitar, then yes, you can play bass. Mm. There was a song that was on the Sticky Bandits album, um, Beginning of an Evolution, that has, you know, this this crazy, crazy breakdown during, during the bridge, and I couldn't even tell you the timing. Like, I don't even think, like, Mark could tell you the timing. He, he I think he broke it down to a 13, like, bar stanza, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I don't, I, you know, it's like a 13-4 or something like that. Hurts my brain just to think about it. Oh, It was like a 13-4, Yeah. You know, just that was during the bridge. And um, like Brie, it was it was magnetic how quick she picked up that riff. It was it was instantaneous. Like I showed her this riff, I recorded it for her, I visually showed her the notes to hit. Mm-hmm. Next rehearsal, she's playing this shit. When like we we've had we had this song uh, back when we were a two piece, mm-hmm. showing this this riff to different people that we auditioned for, and they were like, "No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. um, fuck that." I mean, like it was it was absurd. It's an it's an absurd riff, but it does it does kind of kick ass, mm-hmm. you know. Once once you got it, you know. But yeah, and Josh Josh once again he was like, "Fuck that riff, I'm gonna do my own thing," yeah. and it just sounds so. Just the marriage of that shit was just so fucking badass. But Bree being being bass during the time, she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna play the core notes." She she nailed it every single show, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not even a bass player." I'm like, "You are now." Oh yeah, she, she definitely. <laughs> she always kept, and I always said that she was a great bass player because all three of the other of you other guys could kind of go any way you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But she held it down with the bass. Yes, she really did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and you know now now I'm playing bass for uh, Witch Motel. It's a different lineup. 
But like it's it's a similar thing, you know. Um, fucking David Lemke, amazing guitar player. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, he's so technically minded, and just I just I just want to sit back, just 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 hold the fork down, play the keynotes, and let him solo like yeah. all the time. And and you know Zach Zach's I needed Zach for writing. Like Zach, me and Zach are like I, I work really well with Zach. Him. Zach uh, Evington. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's. Um, God, he's such a good writer. He's he's got he's got a really cryptic voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's it really it really shocks your soul to hear it, you know. And uh, harmonizing with him is so much fun. Yeah. Like, and you're, you're gonna hear that a lot on our upcoming album. Is me and Zach Zach doing harmonies. I like like him staying low, me singing high, you mm-hmm. know, vice versa. You know, I go low, he goes high, and it's it's it really we we, we have a good marriage with that now. It, yeah. it took it took a good year and a half to really get there, but like now it's like, oh man, that's so dope. So are you recording this yourself or are you recording it? No. Um we're shopping around for studios right now. Okay, so you're not um, not that didn't start recording yet. Yeah, yeah, we're shopping around for some studios. We've had some people reach out to us and um I'm you know, it's it's not really a price thing. It's I don't. I don't even know. Is it, whatever. We're gonna make a vote. You know, mm-hmm. like so. So I got. I got somebody in mind. You know, Mark has somebody in mind. Um, you know, and and David and Zach. I don't know if they have anybody. Zach really wants to do a home production. He mm-hmm. wants to get somebody to do everything, and then we firsthand mix it. And which is, you know, like that's not a bad idea. You know, we just gotta go to somebody's studio and firsthand mix it ourselves. Yeah. It's just, you know, like. So I don't know which direction we're going to go with it. We gotta we gotta vote and really talk about it. You yeah. know, we want to try to. I've already told Brandon to put us in line. I said I know you got people that because he he stopped recording last year, and I know he has people he has he's got to reschedule first probably yeah. unless they found yeah. somebody else to record with. But I said you know whenever you're ready to do it, just let us know. Oh, yeah. I, I want to be in line. But I think in the meantime, my buddy Dwayne, you know you know Dwayne Short. Yeah. Yep. He recorded the accidents back in the day, um, the first two things that we released and. That was with just an analog four track. And now he's got better equipment, mm-hmm. better drum mics. Um, Ben's kind of opposed to it. Well, he's not opposed to it. He's just not, he's not too optimistic about it. But mm-hmm. I want to do just some demo recordings. And, and if they turn out good enough, I want to do something with them. Yeah. I mean, cause we got the technology. Why don't we kind of do it ourselves when we can? We have and the technology. And then, that's and then Star, Star Trek quote right there. Yeah, and then we can still go see Brandon every now and then and record two or three songs with Brandon. You know, we don't have to like, Mm. But we don't always have to go somewhere to record. If we got something ready to go and we want to do it maybe a little bit more lo-fi or whatever. And mm-hmm. honestly, if we get enough practice with it, it'll sound good. Mm-hmm. Now, Brandon's just got better equipment. So it's obviously it's always going to sound better. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon recorded the Witch Motel album and mm-hmm. I have never worked with a recording engineer mixer that good. And oh, I mean, I, first time I was in a studio, I was 15, you mm-hmm. know, it was Mount Hollywood studios. And so I've been, I've been through a few studios yeah. in my time. And, uh, but like, God, Brendan, we, we were able just to bounce off ideas yeah. so perfectly. Like, you know, I'm like the reverb, you know, it's, it's too high. It's like, I'm already turning it down, man. It's like, I know everything I said, you know, like, like, why don't you throw a flange on it? It's already there, man. I'm like, God, you're so good. You're so, everybody says the same thing too. He's so easy to work with yeah. and he, he's going to help you get a better sound. Mm-hmm. He's going to help you figure it out without necessarily telling you how to do it. Yeah. It's not like he's going to say, I'm going to make it sound good because I'm going to do this to it. Oh yeah. He oh, lets yeah. you give your input and then he goes one better yeah. and throws you a little bit more of an idea and, it, and it ultimately it, it makes you sound like you, oh, yeah. but the best you can sound. And um, one thing he doesn't do that 
a lot of engineers tend to, you know, get prideful, a little bit over prideful on their work. I've seen this a lot, even mm-hmm. even even in the professional, like like back in the day. You know, I, I don't want to call anybody out, but like they, uh, you know, they get really prideful about their work. You yeah. know, it's like it's like, what do you mean it's like that? You know, it's something they did, and it's just like, dude, just just do this, and like, why don't why don't you try cutting in? like like this part and they're like no you can't do that and like dude why don't you just try it it's like no you can't it won't sound right it's like no just hear me out try it mm-hmm. you know and i mean i've recorded albums myself so if if typically if I, i'm saying try something you know that means i've done it before and i liked it mm-hmm. you know like doesn't mean everybody's gonna like it but you know i've liked it yeah. so you know like well some people just think that they, they want to be a producer yeah. When you didn't really hire them to be a producer, you hired them to record you and make you sound good. Exactly. And, you know, I appreciate your ideas. And, and that's one thing is give me all your ideas. Mm-hmm. But it's my band. If I want to try something, let me try it. Mm-hmm. And Brandon's going to let you do that. Even if Brandon knows it's a bad idea, he's going to let you try it. Mm-hmm. He's going to let you listen to it and let you decide that it's the wrong idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, talked, yeah. I talked to somebody about that recently and I thought yeah, that's exactly what yeah. Brandon will do. He's going to yeah. let you do it. Well, Bra- and, if Brandon, you, and if you do end up liking it, he's going to let you keep it because he knows it's your band. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon never, never made me feel that way at all. At all. Like, like Brandon, Brandon was just so easy to get along with and just, and not to mention, I mean, like he's, he was in the most badass fucking local band oh, that, yeah. that I've ever fucked. You know, the, the seduction, for so Christ's good. sake, God. <laughs> oh, man, I still, hate, I, still hate, I still hate that they're not a band. I know, I know, me too. Like, like... I, I hope that, when Brandon said that when I talked to him last year, but this was before COVID, of course, this was in January of last year, mm. that there was a possibility that they could do some, some more shows. I'm hoping that that's still a possibility. Oh, man, yeah. Even if, they, even if it's just one more show in Charlotte and that's it, just, just see them one more time. Yeah. Although, yeah. really, I mean, we don't need one more show. We need a bunch more shows. Yeah, yeah. And one's not <laughs> enough. One is, that's, 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 that's going to be my stance. I will. I will say this to them. <laughs> <laughs> smell in 2004 so it's really funny you know like everybody's with with the covid now and you know oh this not going two weeks without being able to smell anything is killing me i'm like welcome to my life wow i can't can't really imagine i mean in a way it would be good but there's certain things i'd miss about it i think i think that's the reason why I, i i've delved so deep into punk rock that i have because i guess i'm a gross guy i don't you know, like, like not being able to, you know, I've, nobody, like, I haven't gotten a complaint that, you know, go put some fucking deodorant on, you know, um, 
well, since my 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 wife left me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but like, she she had a strong sense of smell, you know, she had a ridiculous, uh, even according to everybody that mm-hmm. that was a, that I knew, she had a. Really, I've known people like that. My my ex was like that too. You know, like, and I couldn't do anything without her knowing. I'm like, what the fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I have no sense of smell, and like. I'm I'm genuinely kind of oblivious to a lot of lot of situations that's going on in life, you know, and you know, like I, I find myself apologizing a lot for my ignorance, you know, like like oh I, you know, I'm sorry, you know, like but I had no sense of smell. I, I had a head injury when I was uh, mm-hmm. 18. Um, I think you, 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 somebody's mentioned that to me. I don't know if uh, you've told me about it or. I, I tried to. Uh, I was on one truck bed. I tried to jump onto another truck bed. Mm-hmm. Um, was, they, they weren't moving, they, were they? They were moving. Oh, okay. The one that I jumped onto was moving. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but, that would make it a little harder to, to land the landing. Oh, yeah. This was uh, 2004. I, uh, you know, Jackass was huge. Yeah. Know? And uh, I was 18. I was um, I was trying to scare my buddy that was driving off. This was after rehearsal. This is this is uh, a member of my band. And um, I tried to moon him, put my ass against the windshield, mm. like, oh, you're taking off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I didn't get the physics right. <laughs> I'm in midair with my pants half down. Tailgate uh, hits my ankles. I do a somersault off the back of the truck um, and hit the back of my head on the concrete. Mm. Crack the concrete. End up getting three skull fractures, uh, massive temporal contusions, and a subdural hematoma. Yeah. Uh, blood clot grew to be uh, like you know two two centimeters thick mm. in my my fucking head. Yeah. It was a fucking huge huge uh, blood clot, and uh, you know. They, uh, the doctors, I went to Gaston Memorial. I'm really surprised, shocked, and awe that I'm actually alive. Um, and, uh, the doctors were just like, we're going to perform the surgery of, uh, cracking his skull open and draining, draining the blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, my dad was like, no, you're not. That sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, they ended up dissolving it all with, uh, uh, brain, uh, brain steroids. You know, I was, I was, kind of weird to be around for the next like six months mm-hmm. after that and um lost my sense of taste smell and hearing out of my right ear initially yeah um uh, my hearing came back about three months afterwards um my and that was all just blood that was exiting mm-hmm. out from you know up here out of yeah. my ear and um my uh sense of taste came back about nine months to a year afterwards and I never got my sense of smell back. I can't imagine like not having a sense of taste. This smells like I said, oh, one yeah. thing, it's one thing it, I I could probably learn to live with. It was pretty cool when it came me. back though. Yeah. You know, it was almost it was almost worth the wait. Oh yeah. I can imagine <laughs> Kind of like if I didn't smoke pot for like three months, it'd be yeah. like, Holy shit. Yeah. I forgot yeah, to yeah, get this stone. That's a great comparison. <laughs> um Ironically enough, I was a prep cook. Um during this time, uh, roadie on Garrison mm-hmm. and, um, a lot of, a lot of great musicians have started their, their, their work career on the line at roadie. I, I can contest to this, you know, <clears throat> I would cook the same thing. All of a cheese pizza with uh, Greek salad dressing as the pace every single day because I liked it before my head injury. So I was just like, this is what I do, you yeah. know? And, uh, we had one free meal. I would just do this. I, uh, yes, yes, I'm that old. I remember when you were a line cook and you got a free meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many places do that these days. I'm oh, sure. no, no, none of them do. Like, like pre-recession, like everybody did that post-recession. Now they cut that shit off, yeah. you know? And, um. I'll get a free meal at work every now and then. Like, I yeah. could probably get one every day if I wanted to, but every now and then yeah. I'll make a, make a meal and my manager will go, 
Don't worry about paying for that today. Oh, that's awesome. That's I dope. appreciate that. That's, that's <laughs> hard to come by nowadays. Yeah. You know, I remember just all of a sudden one day I was sitting down there uh, like a waitress was eating eating it with me or somebody was eating it with, with taking the same break as me. And I just I just looked down, wow, this pizza is really good. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can taste again. You know, like... <laughs> It was, yeah, like, like I mean, I was, I was fist pumping the air. I got up eating the pizza, you know, I was dancing and shit. I was like, "Fuck yeah, it's back!" Yeah. So, other than like the lost taste, hearing, smell, mm. did you have any? Did it ever have any effects on your musical ability, your guitar playing? Um, I don't think it, like the actual head injury itself did. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, as far as my my, my motor functions, no, it didn't yeah, mess everything with my motor. Was fine. It, yeah. it, it okay. did not mess with my. It was. Like no no way to describe it. It was a miracle that it didn't really fuck me up more yeah. than I did. I landed directly on my occipital lobe. I should have I should have been blinded. Um, like just due to the impact. I should have broke my neck, by the way, because actually I sp- I I hit it on more on top of my mm-hmm. head to the side. Yeah. And I my my spine sprung up. My buddy that witnessed it said that he heard the pop. You know, like that's what that's the sound that. That he said it made, and that was that was the sound of my skull popping. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. <sighs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, like I said, I'm a gross dude, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should have done a lot worse, but it was it's fine. Now after it, I was different because mm-hmm. if you've ever known anybody to go through a stroke, it's very similar. You know, yeah. a massive head injury like that is very similar to like having a stroke. Your your mood's gonna change. Mm-hmm. Um, Pre head injury, I was very hyper. I had so much energy. I was running around. I was very innocent. You know, after it, I I started smoking. Like I started cussing a lot more. You know, I got really angry there for a little bit, and yeah. you know, I had to I had to calm myself down. Yeah, yeah. You know, I started lis- I started listening to all types of music. Instead of pigeonholing myself to uh, two thousand, well, you know, the next drive-through record that comes out, you know, like who's the next drive-through record band, you know, mm-hmm. like other than this addiction to the same genre, you know, this monotonous thing, I was reaching out, I was looking at old bands, you know, I I, I would always fuck with my band and play uh, Hocus Pocus by Focus, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, like like they, they bust out, you know, great song, a lot of yodeling, yeah, know? yeah, and um. Like what the fuck, Robbie? You know, I introduced them to a lot of Mike Portnoy's uh, project, Liquid Tension. Okay. During this point, yeah, uh, I was listening to Kanye, and which is honestly, you can say what you want. Early Kanye was a fucking good music. Was yeah. was was genius. It was good music. That's uh, early two thousand. Kanye was really good. Yes, he's weird as fuck nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's gone off the rocker and his music has suffered. But like early two thousands, uh, Kanye was really fucking good, and he knows the business. I'll give him that much. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. he's he knows the music business like a motherfucker. He, he's 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 one of those guys. He's like really smart in some ways, but I, I think he doesn't think it all the way through sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but it always kind of ends up working for him. So mm. whatever. He's, he's <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, like I I was listening to all this random stuff, and you know my 
my band was at the time was, you know, they were listening to Third Eye Blind on mm. every single album on repeat whenever they drove during the tours. And it was driving me crazy. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like who the fuck does that? You know, like, like there was either that or Motion City soundtrack. I got, I got, I love them, but I got really burned out on them for a while. You yeah. know, you know, Blink, Green Day. I got really just, just burnt out on, 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 you know, the whole, the whole, punk rock pop punk scene you know yeah. there, are there, there are very few bands i can listen to over and over again without getting burnt out oh, I, yeah. I can i can i can tell you probably five of them that i can listen right. to on repeat forever and not get tired of them but other than that it's like you're gonna get tired of it after a while oh yeah especially when you start branching out to, to a lot more different stuff mm. and you're kind of hearing the same stuff all the time it gets real repetitive you know mm. oh yeah but um yeah, yeah, they were on tour. They were, you know, but whenever I was driving on the tour, you know, I'd put in like, oh God, it was uh, George Thurgood. After George Thurgood, it was Kanye. After mm-hmm. Kanye, it was it was ludicrous. Oh, you don't like that, you know? I put in fucking Tom Waits, you mm-hmm. know, like, and they were just like, where the fuck are you getting? Like this, these are bands <laughs> that 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 we were kids, you know. I was I was I was eighteen during this time, and uh, like. 18, 19, and 20 was how old we were. Like, where are you getting this stuff? I was just like, dude, I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Like, no, it's not. I'm just like, no, it is. Like, <laughs> well, that's how I feel now. Yeah. I look back at like when we were in high school and we were going to, when we discovered like Repo Record and Milestone Record in Charlotte. Yeah. And, uh, all, you know, the record stores, record exchange existed back then. Uh, we'd go out there and we'd just pick up stuff based on what the album cover looked like or because we had seen an ad for it in mm. Maximum Rock and Roll or or even Spin Magazine or something, you know. Mm. We started just kind of branching out. A lot of those bands that we first grabbed onto at that time, I don't really care for them so much anymore, but at that time we were going to school telling people about these bands. I'm like, where the fuck are you hearing about these bands at? Who are these bands? Mm. What? That's terrible. Why are you listening to that? It's because it's great, you know. Mm. And actually some of those bands still are great. Yeah. Uh, but right. people it just didn't quite get it in King's Mountain. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was something to be finding all this different stuff. And to be like, ooh, listen to this. Ooh, listen to this. Ooh, check this out. Ooh, check this out. So we sort of finished up with, I, I said a minute ago, and we'll kind of pick it back up, but like Sticky Bandits is now, you're, you're still playing bass. Yes, yes. I, I Zach Evington up. and David Limke both on guitar. Yes. And This is Mark, which motel, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, motel. I know, I know. I, 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 I have a hard time with that. I, I yeah. will still, I'll probably say it again before well, we're done talking. It was today. okay. Okay, I got to cover something. The, the name change. Oh yeah, we never did really actually the talk name. about the exact reason for the name change. The name change. It basically got voted voted into which motel. Um, I uh, this was during the time of uh, uh, I was on guitar uh, right before I, this is right before we went into um, recording the album. I think it was may have been we may have been recording the album, the first Witch Motel album. And uh, I was writing a song called Which Motel, W-H-I-C-H, Motel. And mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a play on tongues, you know, about, about a band on, on the road, you know. You yeah. Know, which, which motel do we go to? And it's like a rocking Witch Motel, you know, like. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I heard the name Witch Motel, I'm thinking, that sounds like what hotel are we trying to choose? Which hotel? Yeah, 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 <laughs> but, exactly. Oh, yeah. But it became which as in W-I-T-C-H. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was. That that's how it that that was, but like as soon as I as soon as the song never ended up happening um, because it never got you know for some reason 
I write a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. That most of the time, people are Someone like, no, that, that really. fucking sucks. Most of the time, people are like, dude, no, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so that's what you're saving for for the yeah. King B album. Yeah, the King B, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I got shit. I got I got so much bad stuff I could throw on that album. I can't wait. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I said that, and like, like you know, I can't remember who said it either. Either Bree, Josh, or Mark. They were like, no, that's the name of the band. And it's like, what do you mean? W-H-I-C-H Motel or W-I-T-C-H Motel? It's like, no, which motel? Like, fucking metal, W-I-T-C-H. And, yeah. like, everybody right then was just like, yeah. Yeah, Robbie, that's the name of the man. Because Mark came up with the name The Sticky Bandits. And that was from, basically, kind of from Home Alone? Yes. Okay. Because there was two of us. The Wet Bandits and The Sticky Bandits. Yes. I mean. Yes, but it was because there was two of us. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of made sense. Harry and Marv, there was two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the stick, you know, and... Uh, it was two of us, and it was always a running joke, joke during shows. You know, we were formerly known as the Wet Bandits, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a cool gimmick, you know? And um, when we added more members, always been, was like, okay, we can't be called the Sticky Bandits no more. Even before we released the uh, the 14-track Sticky Bandits album, yeah. you know, there was talks about changing the, the band name. Um, there was other bands named the Sticky Bandits, like, yeah. like two of them in the U.S., one of them out in Australia. That happens. And, um, that happened with the accents. They were like, of course, that's such a generic name. Yeah. There were like 15 different bands called that. Yeah. It got weird um, around the time that we were doing the Witch Motel album. For one, Disney bought Fox, mm-hmm. so they own Home Alone. So, so there was that kind of back-of-the-head kind of scare. But we got messages from two different bands named Sticky Bandits. One mm-hmm. of them was from Australia that was pissed off at us. We're getting all your feed. Nobody's looking up. Uh, when they look up us, all we see is you. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we do something about that? I was just like, I don't know. Can you do something about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, what do you, you, what do you propose to do about it? And then they were like, I don't know. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like, and then, then there was the, the Jersey, Jersey band, um, Named the Sticky Bandits. Like, we never had any problem with people looking up us. Like, people looked up us and they found us. Robert. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the Jersey band was even before that. They sent us a message. They ended up breaking up or something. So we ended up just, like, I ended up caving in and being like, yeah, okay, because I, I don't like changing the name of bands. Yeah. You know, like, personally, it just, it's hard, hard for people to relate. Then you have the whole complicating of changing the Facebook page. And it's the, thing, the people like me that still go, well, so let's get back to the Sticky Bandits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just like it just stuck in my head. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even though I know well and good that you're Witch Motel now. Yes, exactly. You know, but, um, and it, you know, Witch Motel is a dope as fuck name. It like, is a good it, name. It is, it is, like, that's, that's pretty fucking cool. And there's not another one out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, it's, it's funny how this whole, like, the, the punk rock thing goes and, and, and being in the music scene. Mm. Like, I hear people talk sometimes about how they wish the scene was a little bit more um, competitive. Like, yeah. it used to be back in the back in the day or whatever. But no, I, I found so many, like, really good friends through the music scene. And that goes from, like, uh, like when I met John Bowman, me and him became, mm. like, super fast friends. And another one, we were just talking about the flight risk, Brian Altman, me and him are, like, mm. really good friends now. It's like, I just love meeting all these people and finding these like-minded people that I can bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. and that, that, that we can work together to do some things. It's just like, I don't want this to be competitive. I, I like this to be like cooperative. Exactly. That's when it's, that's when it's the most fun. Yeah. Is when you're working together with other people and you find people that you just like gel with like that. I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of competitiveness, but you know, I mean, like. In all actuality, you know, uh, competition does have a way of of bringing a lot of, lot more people into it. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that a step further, though, you, yeah. and I, that you're exactly right. Mm. So the good thing about the Charlotte music scene is every single show was competitive. Even yeah. though it was cooperative, the first band sets the tone mm. for the night. Yep. And if I'm playing a show with, I don't care who, you, Queen City Rejects, The Flight Risks, uh, Vortex of Old Men, mm-hmm. Sticky Bandits, uh, Witch Motel. Witch Motel, yeah. <laughs> it don't matter who I'm playing a show with, if that band comes out before me and they, they kick ass, mm. oh man, <laughs> I want to be better than that band. Yeah, yeah. You might be my best friend in the world, but I want to be better than you were. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to make me step up my game, which the band after me is going to do the exact same thing. Mm. So you can be competitive and cooperative at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I, I think when, when I talk about how people say that about they wish it was more competitive, yeah. back then there were a lot more rivalries and like beefs with mm. each other. And yeah. I think that's what they talk about. I don't want to have a beef with another band. Yeah. But I want yeah, to try no. to blow you off the stage. No, this is, this You're is my not, best friend in the world, but tonight I want to blow you no off more. the stage. There's no more, there's no more gang, gang fights in the fucking Milestone Park. Yeah, there's, no it. It. there's no reason for it. There's no reason for it. We're, we're, yeah. For one, we're, we're, we're a lot older now, and yeah. we just we can't do that shit anymore. We can't. We can't. We can't. <laughs> but for two, we found out that... that Metal versus punk fights in the, in the fucking Milestone Park. How many of those have you seen? You the, know? The, best, the best way to battle and is to do it with the people that you love and your best friends is just mm. to try to outplay each other on stage. Oh, yeah. And oh, just yeah. have a fucking blast with it because at the end of the night, we're all going to take home, like, what, 20 oh, yeah. bucks maybe and, hey, exactly. and, and, yeah. and get a couple of free drinks out of it and, and have a good time with mm. our friends and just fucking try to put on the best show we can and try right. to outdo the band before us. And if we don't, oh, well, there's always next time. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can, I can say, you know, when I'm on stage, it's like my, my main priority is just to cleanse my soul. I can say this, you know, like just, just get out, get out my emotion just to, on all actuality, I'm just trying to fucking not fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I mean, and when, and when it happens, when yeah. it happens, I'm like, oh. I'm oh trying, well, I'm <laughs> trying I, not to forget a lyric. Usually, I'm when it trying. happens, I, I lock eyes with whoever the other bass player is in the room and just see if they noticed it. Yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I didn't get yeah. away with that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just trying not to fuck up. Like competition is like to out outshine the next band. That's that's something that's never really been a temptation to me. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Maybe it was when I was younger. You know, like I played in a lot of battle of the bands when I was younger. Mm-hmm. When I was like my early. Like late teens and early twenties, guerrilla production shows, you know. Yeah. 
those money rackets. <laughs> they, were, they were fun, though. When you were, like, 19, you still had a bunch of high school kids coming to your shows. They were fun then. You know, no joke. It was, like, I won a lot of those shows, you know, because it was, like, I mean, it was my people showed up and just crushed it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Culprit Strain won one. Final Start won one. Like, I mean, I'm talking, like, like, like all, all the way to the second round, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, you know, high school battle of the bands. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm bragging. I <laughs> well, I'll brag a little bit more, yeah. too. Yeah. And I'll say that if I'm the first band of the night, I'm going to try to make it so you can't fucking follow me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially, if you're, if, especially if you're one of my buddies. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, again, like if it's a traveling band, I ain't trying to outplay you. Mm. I'm just trying to have a good time. But if I'm playing with my friends, yeah. I, I want to make you step up your game because right. I know that if you do, it's going to be that much better of a show for me. It's it's all it's all very kind of, I guess you could say selfish in a way because yeah. I want every I really do want every band on the bill to, to shine. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and I feel like no matter if you play good, you're going to inspire the next band to play. Yeah, that good if not better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I've talked to like Wes about this too. So like mm. the Menders, I always felt like if they're playing with punk rock band, they always step it up just a little bit more. <laughs> And they and Wes Wes admitted that he's like, oh yeah, if we play with you guys, we're we're gonna we're gonna rock it out a little bit more than we would if we were playing with, oh yeah, you know, well, somebody that's a little bit more low key. Very, very versatile, anyway. Um, oh yeah. During the pandemic, we um, this is a good time to kind of maybe transition into talking about Menders and well, Evergone. We still got to talk about okay, Evergone yeah, too. yeah. Dur- well, during during the pandemic, I mean, besides a couple of uh, um, live streams that Evergone and the Menders have done. Um, um, Did you guys do one at the Milestone? Um, no, we didn't do one at the Milestone. Uh, Evergone, we did one at uh, Neighborhood Theater. That's right, yeah, you did and Neighborhood we were, Theater. I don't know the exact money, but the exact monetary amount, but there was there was a good amount of people that tuned into that one. Mm. Um, I, I watched that one. Yeah, yeah, all the bands were fucking kick-ass on that, on that show. Um, I will say that, you know, I, I'm glad that some venues were able to adapt and do that. Mm-hmm. But man, it did not take the place of live music at all. Oh no! It and I, I think that's why it didn't really last too long, and people kind of gave well, up on it. There's quick. the there's the uploading but, glitch too. You know, yeah. like I mean, King Cackle closed, and oh my! I mean, there's no, every time King Cackle plays, they they fucking you want you know a band that fucking breaks the house. It's King Cackle every time they play, and yeah. Uh, by that time, since they were last, there was there was a lot of uploading glitches since since the lag. Uh, like I, I'm not a, I'm not techie, but you know you you upload something for, for four to six hours straight. Yeah. By the end of it, you have that thirty second glitch that's going on that wasn't there on the beginning. It ends up glitching. You know you see it glitch out a lot more than the beginning of the tape. Yeah, yeah. God, they got a, such a fucking awesome sound. And you know, I kind of felt bad, you know, that they 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 were they ended up getting glitched out so much, but by, by the end of that um, live stream, um, same thing with um, the Hattie's benefit that we did out at the the Muse. Both uh, the Menders and Evergon performed during that. By the later on, we ended up having to upload it two separate times, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the second time. Um, was a whole lot better, but by the end of the first time, it started to glitch out, and you know somebody's performance suffered due to that. And, yeah. You know, I think that's the reason why it never live streams never really took off. Was that what I started promoting was um, just pre-record it, release it on YouTube on a date. Yeah, you know, that's like, a good idea. We yeah. thought we thought about doing something similar to that, where 
maybe trying to live stream or, or just maybe just doing a music video, but I've just never really, we, we talk about a lot of things and never to get around to actually doing them. You can, you can do a live show, pre-record it. Don't tell nobody, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then just build up this release date for either the following day or maybe use a little bit of video editing, give yourself like a week to video it, two weeks to video edit or something like that. Don't say a thing that you play a show and release it as, a sh- as the show, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to say it was a live show just as the show. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm glad we're kind of getting to the point where we we don't have to worry about it too much more anymore. I, hope I, so, I, I re- really I mean mm. it was a good effort on everybody's part uh, but unless you just had an acoustic guitar usually it didn't sound that good. Oh yeah. And an acoustic guitar is not really going to move me enough to make me watch for more than like 5 minutes and go okay I'm glad yeah. you're playing some music but I'm moving on. Um but even I was that way with a lot of like electrified performances too mm. you know just like Okay, Moldy Peaches, cool, always, not... I've always, I've moldy, watching the Moldy Peaches, I've always focused on it. They, yeah. they would always have my attention. And there's still people that are out there kind of doing it pretty regularly, but I'm just, you know, that, that's, if I when I said one time, kind of early in the pandemic, if this is the future of live music, count me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I was, I, I'm just ready to get back to live. Like, yeah. But I, I kind of hope that maybe, and Alex from the Philly said this on something good for you recently. Um, that maybe some of these venues that have tried to dip their toes into the live streaming, wouldn't it be cool if they just like, when they had a show on a Friday night, mm. they live streamed it too? Yeah. I mean, because some people are going to sit at home anyway. I don't think it's going to keep anybody from coming out mm. that wanted to come out. I'm but sure. Some people are going to sit at home anyway. Maybe they'll tune in and watch it. I'm sure there's planning and budget. And um, of, of course, you know, there's. There's the fact, you know, with a lot of people, things might get broken. A lot of things to think about. Well, yeah, but he's, that, Alex but has some yes, good ideas. Alex had really good ideas about how to make it work and how to make yeah. it, like, not be broken. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, it's it's an idea that I think I, I thought about that a long time ago. Like, mm. when we play at the Milestone, why don't we figure out a way to live stream it? Like, mm. they got those crates up on the ceiling, those milk crates. Mm. You could put a camera up in there and, like... And stream it. But the only thing is, I never could get a good signal at the milestone, a good enough signal for us to try to live stream a show mm. from there. But I definitely considered it. The Menders will be releasing our next show here coming up. I will say it would be an outdoor show. Okay. So, that, so that, you know, we've got one scheduled, we've got one in the books, but, you know, we haven't released the exact place. We're, we're trying to play out the field. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like if the cases start going up, there's going to be a third wave. That's the smart. Then, then we might, we might decide to cancel it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Kind of like us. We're, we're, uh, we're holding out for an outdoor show and we actually, we found one, but it was, it was mm-hmm. in South Carolina. It wasn't really a good weekend for us and it was mm-hmm. like pretty far away. And so we ended up having to pass on it, but like, I'd like to find something locally. Yeah. To do outdoors. But I, if, even if we booked it now, I would, probably sit on the date for a little while just just to make sure oh yeah because i I don't want to be announcing shows and then canceling shows i'd rather just wait and hold on to it and be like we're still hey in two weeks we're playing here (laughs) like um we booked this back in um late january Mm -hmm. early february and um we've been very hesitant on like like who we tell word of mouth if we want to invite it word of mouth we'll do it that way mm-hmm. if we're gonna go online and do it if the cases you know the, the vaccines work like a motherfucker and you know they will we'll blow it up online yeah but like you know we're just tit for tat yeah it's, it's it's very it's weird I, I keep saying that for one we're gonna have to relearn how to play shows mm-hmm. we're also gonna be learning how to do them in a different way for a yeah. little while at least for i don't a know little while. I, yeah. I, th- I think eventually 
And there's some people that disagree with me on this. I think eventually we'll be kind of back to what normal was. I, people, well, people, people have already proven normal to me that for me will never, never come back because I remember punk rock shows when I used to fucking spit. Well, the spitting, mouth. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think the spitting thing will stop. Which would be nice, but really, that that will be fine with me because I was never really yeah. cool with that. And, and yeah, I've yeah. seen bands do it recently, and I'm like, really, you're still spitting, and now it's like, yeah. be like, no, you can't do that anymore. Well, I, but I know, think for the most part, like, we'll be. Pretty close to normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I was always a gross dude. That's part yeah. of yeah. That's part of my. I life. remember when I first got into it. That was kind of a thing that we did for a little bit. But I got really like yeah. it, it grossed me out pretty I ne- quickly. I never I never hopped a loogie. <laughs> Let me specifically say yeah. I never hopped a loogie. I don't, I don't, I don't know that anybody I knew ever did that intentionally. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would blow water out of my mouth and do this. Do this. We hit no. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like shining in a damper. Across the desert, shining like a diamond, shining like forever, shining little devil. Walk across the desert, shining like a diamond, shining like forever. Come on, come on, come on, yeah. We're at three hours right now that I've been recording. <laughs> and I, I like to try to have it between like an hour and a half and two hours. Mm. But I love all the tangents we went off on this one. This is this has been like one of the most fun episodes to record. <laughs> So I'm glad I'm not boring. Yeah. So before we, <laughs> before we get too far off track, um, because we, we have went on a whole lot of tangents on this one, and it, there's there's going to be some great stuff put out of this episode. <laughs> so if you're not a subscriber to the Patreon, you can go subscribe to the Patreon and hear all the stuff I cut out of this episode. And trust me, it's some good shit. Um, there's I, there's good shit cut out of all of my episodes. I've had some people tell me that some of the stuff I cut out is better than the stuff that actually makes it into the episode because they're usually they're, they're fun stories, mm-hmm. but it just helps to cut them out because I can tell the musician's story more completely mm-hmm. in an hour and a half to two hours without all the side stuff. Now I do try to find places to leave the side stuff in, but some of the side stuff is so good. I just don't want it to disappear. So I put it on the Patreon and it's well worth the, I think two bucks is what the least you can pay for it. Oh, sure. I should make it a dollar, but you know, whatever it is, it's, it's worth it. Even if, like, lately I've not been putting out that many episodes, I'm going to start putting out a lot more coming up soon. Because, as I said earlier, second dose of my vaccine, I'm going to be doing a lot more of these in person. Okay. I was doing them via, like, Skype. That, that really got kind of old. Um, I, I'll still do it from time to time. There's still episodes I know I'm going to need to do or interviews I know I'm going to need to do that way. But the technology is great, but it's also frustrating at certain times. So, I, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm ready to start doing them in person. So... <laughs> Let's get back to sort of on track with with music, and let's talk a little bit more about Evergone. And, and like I said, Menders, we'll have another Menders episode coming up soon. Right. I want to get the whole band, so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit. But let's definitely talk a little bit more about Evergone and what, what's going on. Like, how how did you get involved in that? Another 
Um, I had multiple people. I was, of course, I was in which motel during the time, um, and I had multiple people reach out to me about Evergon's looking for a uh, new bass player. Go ahead. And James was their their former bass player. Um, he's a cool fucking dude. I met him. Uh, I've even jammed with him once. You know, he's he's a cool dude. <clears throat> I ended up getting multiple phone calls about you know Evergon's looking for a new bass player. I looked him up. Like their, I love their vocal harmonies. That was the first mm-hmm. thing that 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 really, you know, the fact you know they were covering Alkaline Trio. They were covering a lot of real nostalgic things for me. I was getting really drawn out on, on pop punk for the longest time, and this this really like got me back into punk. Like like punk rock is like something I'm very fluent with. You know, after I think the third person, I think it was um, my ex wife's cousin contacted me about Evergon's looking for another bass player. I reach out to him. I reach mm-hmm. out to Scott. It's like, well, it seems like I need to reach out to you. And uh, he told me, it's like, yeah, I just need a uh, a punk rock bass player. I, I asked about what kind of facets and music that that you're looking for. And um, I was like, homie, I got I got punk rock on bass down mm-hmm. down down to a science. I jammed with them a couple times. Um, they dug it. I dug the music. And Scott, it's the first time in my life I've ever worked with somebody I was in a band with. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, like, a lot of people do that in their their, their teens, when yeah, they're when in they high school. Yeah. It never, I never had the honor of that. Mm-hmm. I never had, the, had that little cool, little, little privilege about it. It was always something separate, yeah. you know? And, um, but, like, to do this in your fucking mid-30s, you know, that's, that's dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, every once in a while, he's my foreman, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, during break time and lunch time, we're taking a break together. I we can we're discussing music stuff, you know. So it's really fucking that that's really fun to do. We write some songs together whenever I joined Evergon. You know, Colin's an amazing in the pocket drummer, and um, that's something that's another thing I wasn't really used to. You know, working with I love Mark. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Mark. He hates being an in the pocket drummer. Yeah, he will fucking openly admit this. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Colin is the complete opposite as a complete in-the-pocket drummer. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, holy shit. I can walk up and down the bass. I can do some really cool uh, bass fills on this yeah, shit. Yeah. It leaves that little extra room to it. You know, we write some really good songs. Right now we're um, recording our next album. And it's uh, all the tracks are done. The mixing is almost there. Mm-hmm. We're just fine-tuning the mixing. And uh, I have I have somebody in mind that we're going to send the mastering to. Yeah. Pete McCoyle over in 808 Studios is recorded everything. Okay. is in the process of mixing everything down right now. I was getting to ask who and he he's, recorded with. He's doing a bang up job. He's yeah. it, like he's he's an up like his studio is pretty up and coming right now. And um, where's he located at? Um, Noda. It's fucking. It's dope. Mm-hmm. I mean, our shit fucking is slapping right now. It's a real rock and roll atmosphere to his studio. You know. Um, my Facebook profile pic is actually from his studio. Okay. He's got a lot of skulls yeah. that he's bought, or I don't know if he bought it or he built, mm-hmm. but um, he's got them for, for sale that that he's decorated and he's he's painted a little bit, and they're 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 fucking cool as hell. And um, that's that's my profile pic right now because yeah. I'm holding the bear skull, you know, and holding the Rickenbacker. His studio is really cool, really relaxed, really rock and roll. Got a real cool rock and roll vibe. Um, he's done a lot of video work for us here recently. Okay. Um, we did a. Uh, I believe it was Levine. I could be wrong, but I, I believe it was Levine benefit video that we uh, covered. Um, 
turn the page. Um, okay. Bob Seger. Bob Seger, yeah, yeah. Turn the page. And we did it Bob Seger, not Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> of course. That's, that's, that's yeah, the right like, like, you know. You don't, bass, want, you don't want to do a cover of a cover. The, the bass is kind of like walking, kind of folky mm-hmm. throughout the entire song. You I, know, love, I that's, love Bob Seger. That's what, that's what Bob Seger's bass player did. You know, he did it almost like country-esque playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I made sure I honored that, you know, whenever, whenever we did our rendition of it. Pete did all the record and do that. I mean, he's a one-stop shop kind of guy. Mm. You know, you can go there and get recordings done. Get uh, he'll he'll go all the way through the mastering with you. Mm. You know, I I'm I'm kind of insisting that that we send it off to a to a different different mastering program because to get more ears on it. Yeah, you know, I always think that's a good idea as far as just the music quality in itself. You know, but his mixing is it's it's fucking slapping. He's He's a drummer, you know. He does a lot. Of, he's a musician in general, but he he loves the drums and it, like Collins' drum being an in the pocket drummer with with a really driving bass line, mm-hmm. and and Scott singing. Larry's guitar is just, just fucking blaring. It's a fucking. He's doing one hell of a goddamn bang up job mixing all that together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, those are almost done. I almost want to give them in your hands to play. It. <laughs> I'm like this close. I'll play. I'll play one of the like the song you've already released on here. That's not even the final mix, you know. The uh, the one that we have on YouTube. Yeah. You know, and the uh, bass riff on that's, that. That's Steve Harris's fuck. Is know? that going to be, I guess, on the, the album? That's that is going to be on the okay. album. Okay, so I'll use that song on here. Okay, hell yeah, hell yeah. talked about <laughs> <laughs> well i know you, you sort of left a little bit out a, a yeah. while back but we, yeah. we can maybe I'd, I'd love to do a part two with you someday all right hell we, yeah. could, we could talk about some of the stuff that you kind of skipped over because yeah i, I, had a I, I, I was about to say something and i'm like well maybe he wants to skip over that for a reason so we'll just kind of move on to okay to nashville or whatever yeah but, yeah um, uh i w- like after final start broke up i joined a uh i joined a emo screamo band out in um out in nashville okay was it, well, it was, it was pop punk. It wasn't really scre- screamo. I think I was the only one that was really hollering in the mic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what was that band? Name of that band? Uh, Best Before Yesterday. Okay. And um, that, that was a really tight rhythm section. I, I don't. I don't want to speak ill. Colin's a very smart man. Like, like not not Colin from Evergon, but Colin was my guitar player for that. But uh, shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always say because sometimes we talk about. I, I told yeah. you earlier, you know, when when bands are, or people are like, "Man, I said something. Maybe you should have cut out." Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'll cut it out if you want me to. But at the same time, you know, we all are in bands and we know that shit happens and, yeah. and people don't always get along. Oh yeah. And we also know that there are some people out there that just can't stand here in their name talk yeah. bad about like, yeah yeah well i'm not gonna leave anything bad in there but i'm also gonna like i want to tell the, the the truth of what happened to yeah man, you know right. things fell apart because somebody was 
whatever. I mean, you're, uh, I'll, I'll I'm not trying up. to push I'll, you into saying anything more. I'll, I'll, I'll pick just, up. I'll pick up in a, in a different line. I'll I'm pick just, up I'm just basically line. saying that we we know shit happens in bands. Well, call it. So Colin was, uh, he scored a 1400 on a 1600 SAT. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a full ride to uh, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Um, he put it on hold, came back to Asheville um, to complete the band. Well, their bass player quit. Um, I got I got invited to, to audition the best before yesterday through a mutual friend. I love the music. I mean, it was some real deep stuff. It was... Um, it's hokey to talk about now, but like during the time, you know, Thirty Seconds to Mars first uh, uh, first album that came out, um, um Finch and um, uh, the first Fallout Boy album that yeah. came out, you yeah. know, like that was that was what was in that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, does that band contribute to me getting burned out in the uh, in, in that kind of field of music? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes. Did we make good music? Yeah, we made some really fucking yeah. good music. I mean, like I got I got some of our takes, and you would listen to it and be like, "Holy shit, that is re- that's really fucking good. It's really produced." I can't remember the guy that uh, we went to or the studio we went to, but it was it was pretty good. It was out in Charlotte, right. Right behind Tremont's, um, I can't remember the name of the studio. I don't even yeah, know I'm if not, it's still there. Yeah, I'm not sure. yeah, studios have popped up and gone away yeah, like, yeah. like the plague. Oh, yeah. I ended up quitting, uh, Best Before Yesterday because I had a lot of strange things going on in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, my then girlfriend, uh, got pregnant. She ended up having a miscarriage mm. and I ended up saying, like, fuck this shit. I want to get real with my life and moving out to Tennessee and, yeah. Taking on air traffic control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drinking took hold out there. I moved to a state where nobody knows me. I don't mm-hmm. know nobody. And, you know, I was signed in a band, like, getting played on fucking MTV. You yeah. Know, I have all this cool, you know, all this experience and stuff, and I just don't want anything to do with it, anything to do with that life. And um, alcohol really took hold, you yeah. know. And not to mention I was 21 in a freshman dorm. Yeah. <laughs> like I said earlier, you you all of a sudden were the most popular person. Yeah, in yeah. the dorm. <laughs> yeah, nobody knew me. I mean, I, I was I was playing music, and we were in a popular band. The most popular was, person in the dorm, as long as there was alcohol involved. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I just I just did not want to play music. Like like I was there for literally four months. Didn't bring any of my fucking instruments. Yeah. You know, like like didn't pick. A, like I was around musicians. I went to go see music. You know, but like it. I never, I never put it in my hands, and then like somebody put the guitar in my hands, like Rob, Robbie, you do, you play? It's like yeah, <laughs> four months, not even saying nothing. Yeah. I was on fucking MTV and shit, you know. And yeah. I was just like yeah, yeah, I play, you know. And they're like what, like, and that's that's where I told my story, and they were like, holy fucking shit, what the? <laughs> it's like like you you actually you were just holding out on us and all that, yeah. <laughs> well I, I gotta say I, I, I've been lucky because I've always played with like my best friend Eric yeah. and we've always played in bands together 
But I know that sometimes certain bands and, and, and certain people can take that desire out of you and that will to play music. Because I've heard the story over and over again mm. from different musicians that I've talked to, both, you know, on the podcast and just in personal talk. You know, that, that, that sometimes you just hit that thing that makes you go, I don't want to play anymore. Mm. And I think back on it, and I think I kind of did get to that point right before I stopped playing music. Mm. But the reason I stopped playing music was more... Had more to do with my personal life being married and having young kids mm. than the fact that me and my drummer at the time were, weren't really getting along. And the thing was, is that me and him were best friends in high school. And since that time, we just, we don't even talk. It's, it's mm. kind of sad because I, yeah. I love to be friends with him again. And, and, and there was a time in my life when I, during that time when I was, I was going through some shit and mm-hmm. I, I was trying to be somebody I wasn't and it, it didn't really work out so well. And I kind of regret that, but whatever, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm the most genuine person I've ever been in my life now. Mm. I feel like me and Greg would be great friends, but at the same time, the tension that we had, I think kind of did take it out of me. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Worley really molded me as like, he was the final mold for the bass player I am now, mm-hmm. jamming with Jeff Worley whenever I came back from Tennessee. Um, he really, like, he, he got me into thrash metal. Yeah. You know, he got me, he got me into a lot more aggressive music that, that I kind of, I still wasn't, still wasn't into, you know. I had my rockabilly phase and classic rock and a lot of, um, like Tom Waits and a lot of jam band music too, like, like Widespread Panic out in Tennessee, you know, and I moved back home and I start jamming with Jeff, and he's like, "Here's, Celt- Here's Celtic Frost. I'll show you a band." Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and and that was that was fucking that shit was dope. Like, mm-hmm. like I I was able to like get my punk rock influence into that, yeah. you know, and like because that's basically what thrash metal is. It's yeah. the marriage of 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 metal and and fucking punk rock, mm-hmm. you know, and um and uh, that was that was a like it was just beautiful what we came up with, but you know, as far as people that that will drain you to work with, I I've been very like I love Jeff. Jeff is my fucking brother. Mm-hmm. It's like, but me and him working together is like two bulls ramming. Yeah, at each sometimes other, it's like that. You too. know, like like, <laughs> and I it's just he was trying to get get into the personal life a little bit a little bit too much, and he was trying to get this facade. And I was just like, you know what? You're wrong about that. <laughs> it's like you can't you can't tell me what to do in my personal life. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, in hindsight, did everything he said was wrong? No, no, it wasn't. You know, in hindsight, no, everything everything he was saying wasn't wrong. It was just me being prideful. Mm. But you know, there was a lot of drinking that was involved. Well, that that'll do it too. I think yeah. that played a part in what all happened with my shit too. Mm. I mean. There, there was drinking involved. Anytime something blew up, there was always drinking involved. I, like, I quit. I quit old scratch because it wasn't good for any of us. Yeah, we were we were on a train ride to fucking destruction if we would have kept that shit up, you know. And I mean, we were we were getting pretty fucking big, like like in the Charlotte music area. Like we were having a shit ton of people coming out to our shows. Yeah.
even even after I quit, Old Scratch still would pull, pull a whole shit ton of people. I mean, Jeff's a fucking amazing. Metal sales in Charlotte. It yeah. always has. Jeff and, and Jeff does it the best. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is good at it. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is he's got, fucking, he's got a great voice. He's yeah. got, he, he's got he the stage presence. His licks, man. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, and he writes the the most thrashing fucking riffs you could ever fucking imagine. And you know, he he really did mold me as but you know, I feel like I feel like I molded him a little bit working with him. Mm-hmm. When we first started jamming together, like back when, you know, I was like twenty two and he was he was like maybe twenty one. You know, I, I was like, hey man, those are great solos. How about throwing a little bit of rhythm section in with it? It's like, what do you mean about rhythm section? I was like, you know, do chords and you know like <laughs> <laughs> You know, like we really fucking molded each other like like a whole bunch musically you know and i i felt real bad leaving old scratch um i did it i did it on the best terms it wasn't it wasn't always taken that way there yeah was, there was a lot of emotions that was to play about that he's still a really good friend and i wish absolutely no fucking animosity to oh, him. Yeah. i fucking like i said that that's a perfect example of shit happens yeah. but you know when you're when it comes down to it if you can still be friends after it's all mm-hmm. said and done then whatever but even when even when you can't, mm. we all know how it goes. I mean, mm. sometimes personalities collide, and you know mm. a lot of that I'll probably actually cut out. I'll probably make that yeah. sound a lot better than what you said, even mm. though you never really made it sound bad. It's just you know, I, I, I'm when somebody talks about it, and they they tell me, "Oh man, you might want to cut that out." Mm. I'm like, "Well, I can leave it in there, but I can make it sound good." Yeah, you can <laughs> you leave know. a lot of that in there, dude. You can leave. Like, I figure like, with like, Jeff, like, I can. Like, yeah, like I, I can like like Jeff, like. We cut ties from each other for the longest time, and like we've recently had had a really good uh, friend of ours pass away, and we we just squashed everything after that, you know. Like like I fucking, yeah. he's my he'll be my brother through thick and thin. Yeah, I had to, I had to leave the band just ba- mainly mainly because like I didn't want to lose him as a friend. Yeah. Sometimes that's more important. Yeah. You know, and and if you if you realize it and you're able to catch yourself. I I got nothing but more mad respect for you over that. If you left that band just because you can't you can't flow with an individual in the band in the right direction. And I'm not speaking about like fucking talent. You mm. know, like like if that's oh god. Another question I absolutely fucking hate. You know, who's the better guitar player? You know, who's better yeah. who's the better bass player? You know, it's it's not about better, man. It's about flavor. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Because yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you there there are some bass players who are not that technical. Yeah, and don't do all this flashy stuff, but they can outplay like anybody that tries to do that stuff. Because right. what they do is that they they do their thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And like it like works. who's better, Matt Freeman or Victor Wooten? You can't really say. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't, you can't. That's a stupid. That's like what you say. The an- the answer to that is that's a stupid question. Well, I think each one of them does exactly what they should be doing for the band that they're doing it exactly. for. Exactly, exactly. You know? And it's it comes down to that. And so there's there's I don't. I mean, you know, I can tell you who I think are the best bass players in the in the Charlotte music scene, or who the best guitar players are in the Charlotte music scene. Yeah. But that don't mean anything because it, it doesn't. It's about flavor. Exactly. What because are you into? That's, that's my personal preferences, and that's mm. the styles that I like. See, I love seafood. Yeah, yeah. and I don't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so <there you> go. <laughs> See, I love seafood. So my opinion on who's the best is going to be completely different from yours. You and neither one of us are going to be wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, really, it, it takes a lot of talent to be in the pocket. Mm. It takes just as much talent to be in the pocket as it does to be out of the pocket. Exactly. 
Awesome. Exactly. You know, you know what's another another really uh, goal of mine. You know, for, for one one goal is is now to you do a write about a band I, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing I'm in, but it's the worst album ever. So like, and you chew it up. It's like I'd rather I'd rather hear I'd rather smell cat piss than listen to this fucking yeah. album. That, that, that's something I want you to write write on one of my reviews. Um, for all you know, cat piss could smell wonderful. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, because yeah, I don't know. You know, but um. <clears throat> now I do remember. I've had cats my whole life, so I remember that cat. The cats have evolved in the past four years, and it, it smells <laughs> like flowers. These what? Days. <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. I'm very gullible too. You know? It's something like, they put in the cat food these days. <laughs> but um, another another um, another goal is to turn every song that you absolutely hate into a song that you love. Mm-hmm. Okay, imagine imagine doing puddle of mud and Nickelback, but Everybody in the local music scene gets down to it. That's an impossible fucking feat, isn't it? You know? I like the yeah. pants around your neck, like whatever the fuck, you know, around your ankles. But well, you do it, you do it all like she fucking hates me. Na 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 na. Like like, cause nobody likes these fucking songs, right? They're yeah. they're overplayed. They're fucking. They're, they've been burned down on 106.5 and 93.3 and you know like fucking like fuck those things fuck fuck puddle of mud fuck this shit but you know do it in a way so everybody fucking gets down and that's yeah. that's uh, that's that's another goal of mine I can know? see that I mean but there, sometimes that stuff always ends up it, it usually ends up sounding cheesy but it's always like it could have been better than it was yeah. like anytime I hear a punk rock band cover some kind of old song from the 80s or something like okay yeah. so anything like me first in the Gimme Gimme's does yeah the way they do it, it's like, that's kind of shitty. Mm. But you really could have done something better with that, you know, if you really wanted mm. to. Instead of trying to make it sort of true to the original, but let's punk rock it up. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's one thing that, I, that Evergon did. Yeah. You know, um, we, did a, we did a show before pre-pandemic um, as a benefit for Levine. Um, and, you know, that year come up, we did the uh, Turn the Page. Yeah. You know, the year before yeah. that, we um, did... It was a 90s band, and um, I did not like the pick, but I did because of the reason why I like taking naturally bad songs and making them good. Yeah. I did, we did Matchbox 20. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like, I mean, it's like, like we picked Matchbox 20. It's like, can we please do Presidents of the United <laughs> States of America? You know, like, like it's like, it's, that's not a bad idea. It's just like, but, you know, I, I ended up like, no, no, this actually is a good idea. So we took... We did one of the songs, we kept it kind of legit. I can't remember which one it was. And two of the songs, we punk rocked. Mm-hmm. And those punk rock songs were fucking bad. Yeah. And it was a great formula. It was a great formula of how we did this. Because the first song, we did it kind of legit. To let, let everybody know that, okay, you have to do a 90s man. We're doing Matchbox 20. Mm. And, of course, we made it more appealing than actually fucking making it lame. The way it sounds like doing Matchbox 20. But like the punk rock songs, fucking rocked. They mm-hmm. really did. Like we've we've done it. We've done a couple of those songs since then. Actually, you know. Yeah. And um, it's uh, I, I like you know taking music and changing it. You know, like you ever um, you ever take some of your songs for Van Huskins and like slow it down. To oh like, yeah, we like, do that yeah, quite yeah, frequently. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We'll start playing it slow, and then if Ben catches on, we'll do a whole song like yeah. half speed or whatever. Yeah. Then. 
And then it's like, okay, now let's really play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, to actually do that shit live is, like, fucking cool to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, oh, this is a new way of listening to it, you know. Of course, it's going to be a second before we can do that, like, when we actually plan out, because everybody's got, oh, these are the way the songs go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, you know, we got to reintroduce the crowd to the, to the songs the way that they're supposed to be before we get to throw them a curveball. I think the big thing, like, I've been thinking about this lately, so our first show back, you know, we've got all the old songs we love to play that people love to hear. Mm-hmm. But then we had six new songs that we released last April once the pandemic started. And mm-hmm. we, the only time we've been able to play them was on the live stream. Mm-hmm. I think we played two of them. Mm-hmm. So we got six songs that people have been listening to for a year that they probably want to hear those live. We got eight new songs that we're working on. And they probably all need lyrics. I think we got lyrics for one of them. But. When we go back to play live, we're going to want to play that new stuff. People are going to still want to hear the stuff from, that we released last year that we haven't been able to play live yet. Mm-hmm. And then people are still going to want to hear all the old stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we're still not going to want to Rabbit play old. Rabbit dogs and giant. We're still going to. If y'all, if y'all do a show when I'm there and you don't play that We almost song. always play that one. That, that's <laughs> like, that one, I just feel like that one really like, it's a good way, way to start the set. But sometimes we'll put it later in the set. Yeah. It, it sets the stage because it's, it's one of the, it's an early song that we did where we just really got to like, just kind of. Do that, put that flavor in there. Yeah. Both me and Eric both got to put some flavor into that one. And mm. that was like a, a little thing that we said, I think off of that first thing that we released, that's the one that most sounds like what we're doing today. Hell yeah. It was like me and Eric having fun with every song. And oh, Ben yeah. too, Ben too. I, I don't want to discount Ben because Ben's definitely having some fun. Oh yeah. And live, it, we have fun with that one. So it's, oh. it's one that definitely stays in there, but. Well, if you don't have fun playing that song live and I'm there, I am absolutely sorry because that means I failed. <laughs> I failed you but, but I, I have a fucking blast. Yeah. But I still have to qualify <laughs> one thing, though, is that when Van Huskins plays live again, we're still not going to want to play longer than 30 minutes. So it's we're, mm. we're going to be like, okay, here's three old ones, here's three of the mm. last ones, and here's three brand new ones. Mm. That's what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> Hell yeah. So... Foosball Crossroads. So was that kind of based off of your foosball hustling days? Um, no. no, no. It was not at all? No, no, no not, not, at, oh, not wow. at all. Um, so Johnny Moss hits me up. He's working the door at, um, what is that called? Uh, the Rabbit Hole? Yeah, yeah. Um, He's working the door at the Rabbit Hole. And um, he he's like, you have to come see this band, Gonzo. So I, I'm okay. like, okay, I'm going to come see this band called Gonzo. And um, they played. They get off stage. I was blown away. Gonzo. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're no longer a band. They they've been all the members of the band. I I keep in close contact with yeah, because yeah. they're a fucking amazing group of guys. They they moved down here from Cleveland, Ohio, as a band. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're that dedicated to all get a band house together, you know you're going to be tight. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the lead singer, Charles, well, you know, I was talking, I was like, look, we need to get a show together. You know, it's like, you're right up my alley with the Sticky Bandits, and um, I think it'd be a really good show. Let me introduce you to Gastonia. I did. I ended up booking them a show, but there was a foosball table at the rabbit hole. Yeah. I was really good at foosball. Yeah, I'm like, hey, anybody a foosball player? I play all in foosball. And Charles is just like, Charles Christian, the lead singer of uh, Gonzo at the time, he uh, he's like, yeah, man, I'll play you with foosball. And I was just like, all right. So so he ends up beating my ass. Okay. I played fucking national championship. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. And and held my ground against them. Yeah. And um 
he ends up beating my ass, and I, like I, I was, I was just like you, you just fucked my world up beyond <laughs> beyond I I can ever fucking verbally like like explain to you. Next day, I'm at work, and I'm literally just humming this 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 na 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 na, and I start making up words to it while I'm working. I'm pulling wire, I'm bending pipe, I'm doing everything electricians do. You a foosball demon now, Lucifer, and got my hands. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking working it. You know, I'm a foosball demon now, Lucifer, and got my hands. <laughs> and everybody's looking around me like I'm fucking crazy. Like, like, what the fuck are you singing? I was like, I don't know, but it's cool. And yeah, <laughs> so I wrote songs around the course to that. Yeah, you know? and it was it was Charles who I was singing about. He was the fucking foosball demon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he met Lucifer at the crossroads. And yeah, the, I met, the, the I met foosball powers to beat you in, in foosball. Exactly, exactly. That's how I felt. That's how I felt about it at the time. You know, yeah, I met, I met Charles was Lucifer at the crossroads, and and he beat my ass. He he was he was possessed by the demon of foosball that night.
this is awesome. I wish, you know, like there was more people that, you know, like you that, 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 that have, have the passion and not only act on it, but help others. Well, see, that's what I I wish too. And then I'm like, to to get their message out. If nobody else was going to do it, then maybe I should do it. Yeah. Cause I saw a couple of sparks of it. Like Levi from no anger control. He talked about doing a podcast like Mm -hmm. this. I was like, yes, do it. And I want to be a (laughs) on there. And then what Alex and, and Cap are doing with something good for you yeah, is yeah. really cool, but they don't always stay like, you know, they have local musicians on there, yeah. but it's not like the musician's story. It's yeah. always like, let's talk about, and they, they do talk about that. They talk yeah. about that some, but they always just kind of talk about different topics. And that's, yeah. that's great. I love listening. I listen to it every week. Um, but it kind of just inspired me to go, well, it's nobody's doing it exactly like I want it done. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard some ideas of things that gave, gave me the idea for this. And I was like, well, if nobody's going to do it exactly like I want to do it, then maybe I should just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what it is. It's, 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 I love it. And it's a lot of fun. It's more fun than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when I started doing it, the fact that COVID hit last year, this has given me a way to like continue to be involved in music mm-hmm. beyond my band. And I think I know a lot of people had a harder time with COVID and last year than I did. In a lot of different ways, mental yeah. health issue, mental health yeah. reasons. Um, just a lot of people couldn't leave the house, mm-hmm. and I found ways to do it. And even when I couldn't leave the house, we used technology to do it. And uh, I'm very grateful that I found it because mm-hmm. I'm much happier than I was a year ago, mm-hmm. and not many people are in that place yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Now I'll be even happier when we can get out and we can play shows again, <laughs> yeah. um, which is hopefully coming soon. But you know, this is fingers crossed. Exactly. <laughs> but this, this, Keep I'm, your just, mask I'm telling on. you <laughs> as much as everybody, and I, I, I do appreciate anytime people say that and you'll, you'll see, I'll leave it in the podcast too. And people mm. talk about it. Cause I, again, there's that, that little bit of narcissism and, and yeah. pride that we talked about earlier. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, it's important to me for people to know that as much as you love it, I love it even more. It's, it's been so good for me just mm. personally and mentally. So oh, yeah. I'll just say that. That's, and I'll probably leave all that in the podcast because I, I think it's important for people to hear that yeah. how much, how much I actually love doing this. Yeah. Even though some yeah. weeks I go, I really don't want to do an interview this week. As soon as I do it and then yeah. I start editing it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> this has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. Giddy, giddy, giddy. Kitty, 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 yeah. Kitty, kitty, kitties. I love my kitties so much. So much.